for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right, I gave everybody a homework assignment. I hope you got it. It's back in the school days. It's like, you know what I never understood is people failing? Because if you did your homework alone, you were going to pass. That's it. Just do your homework. Mm. Do your homework. You're going to pass. I'm not saying you're going to get like a 1500 on your SATs if yeah. you do your homework. But if you do your homework in high school, yeah. all right, high school kids, if you simply just do your homework, sure, you win. You win. You win. Not necessarily. Yes, you do. Do you, do you think a, a D is winning? You did all your homework and got a D. Dude, so I did all my homework. I had to get a tutor in math class, and I still got a D. Now, there, there might be some kind of problems there. Well, regardless, I'm, I'm not that good at math. But, yeah, man, like, You're math is a big business. She's tutoring right well, now. Well, is she teaching math? <laughs> oh, yeah. Where was she when I was in high school? I could have used her. <laughs> I have no I idea where she was. I was man. So, like, to me, like, and I think it was the fact that I could have, you know, probably applied myself a little more. But I was just thinking, like, why do I need to know? Like, it was always me kind of, like, asking, why do I have to know this stuff? Yeah. You know? So, like, I didn't really apply myself. That's not myself, a good attitude 100%. to have. hundred percent. No, because, I had a crappy attitude. Because it's true. Like, Ty has a little bit of that. He's like, what sure. am I ever going to use this? There we so go. I, uh, doesn't matter. I see you, Ty. It doesn't matter. I see you, Ty. You know? Yeah. You know, you're also not going to run up uh, 15 hills and ever have to use that yeah. when you're on the baseball team. Yeah. I but you still run up 15 hills, and you probably you don't ask why. Yeah. Well, you probably do. Yeah. But... It's part of it. Ty, I'll let you know right now, man, if you're listening. I have never in my 32 years of life since high school used A squared plus B squared, e, e, B squared equals C squared. Isn't that Pythagorean <laughs> theorem or whatever? Right? <laughs> Pythagorean. Whatever. <laughs> Close enough. Never used it once. Okie dokie. Ne- never used it once. We're going to talk Jaguars. Let's do it. Before Steph hears this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because I'll be doing damn math problems sorry tonight if Steph starts stuff. hearing about sorry this. Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, I didn't mind math, but uh, do your homework. So anyway, did you do your homework? And coming Mm -hmm. up in a little bit, the homework assignment was the all-decade team of draft picks the Jaguars could have had and passed up on. And so the idea there is, say, go back to 2010. Tyson Alualu gets picked 10th overall, even though they traded up. So I think this is the one-catch one because you can't really say J.J. Watt, even though Watt gets picked 11th. Mm -hmm. Or you could, but they probably wouldn't trade up for Watt. They traded up in that respect because it was the quarterback in Blaine Gabbard. So I believe they would have picked 16th. And so I counted everybody past 16. If you want to include Watt there, that's fine. But I think it's a bit of a technicality. Okay. Anyway, 10th they took Tyson Alualu. Who should they have picked instead or mm-hmm. could they have picked instead behind Tyson Alualu? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do for 2010 all the way to 2019. And... What's the all-decade team that could have been here in Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. It was kind of oh, fun to do, wait. wasn't it? And spoiler alert, by the way, my team right now, we're talking dynasty. Uh, dynasty? Okay? We're talking New England Patriots and then some. Really? That's all we're saying. Yeah. Now, that's interesting. Yeah. And what else is interesting is the domino effect of what happens in this kind of experiment, mm-hmm. right? Because if you take somebody in 10, 11, 12, yeah. 
Well, then you might not take that position. Yep. Maybe 13, 14, 15. Oh, or and vice don't versa. worry. I also took into account the free agent signings as well, who the, who the Jaguars brought in that year. Oh, you did that, that too? That affected, well, that's, that's what we call homework, man. That is extra credit. Yeah, extra credit? A plus, baby? <laughs> no, no, no. That's just bumping the D to a C. Okay. <laughs> a C. I'll take that's it. That's it. But, C's uh, good degrees. All right. That would be interesting, too. And, of course, that would really have changed around the free agency, you, you know, whoever it. they're drafting. Mm-hmm. But what I do think, I, I found two very interesting things. Mm-hmm. One about the QB position and one about the tight end position. And we'll get to it a little bit later on. But I, I almost spun off by doing this homework and saying, hmm, that's interesting. Sure. About two two different things. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to it. But that's coming up. Uh, Gardner Minshew back in front of a microphone. He's the guy in Jacksonville. And really interesting to hear, uh, I think it was Matt Hasselbeck on uh, ESPN, whether it was late last night or early this morning, I saw it floating around Twitter at some time, and he kind of said, uh-oh, hold the phone on Gardner Minshew. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the conversation we started to have a little bit yesterday, and then we got onto the, who's the worst signing, Bortles or Foles, and we can continue that if you want to jump in on Star Star 690, because that was an interesting topic. We had a lot going on yesterday. I'm going to try not to drive this show into the rails like I did yesterday. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> I think you were fine, man. I think you're being way too hard on yourself, to tell you the truth. But, but anyway, Gardner Minshew as the guy. Gardner sure. Minshew's the guy for four weeks. Can Gardner Minshew be the guy for four years? That's kind of the, what I'm, I'm looking at this like. I, I'm not even, You can hold the phone on 12 years and 15 years and being the guy that Legion of six Super Bowls. Uh, let's take care of business here in the interim and say the next few years, can you envision Gardner Minshew being the guy? Well, Matt Hasselbeck was pretty clear. Tim, Tim Hasselbeck. I'm sorry. I said, yeah, yeah Tim. Tim. Correct. One of you damn Hasselbecks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is one of them still married to the survivor? Remember the girl that was on yeah. Survivor? Are they still married? asking the wrong guy, though. Oh, you don't know? No idea. Kush? I've, I've been watching don't Survivor you talk about since this I was stuff in, like, on fifth WMP grade. <laughs> Survivor. Non-Survivor. Talking about Survivor no, and Amazing was, Race? Yeah, one of them was married to the girl on Survivor, like the early years, like really early. Was she like, well, I don't know like if she won or research. she was one of the top. Yeah, one of them was married to that. Was it one of them? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Hasselbeck? Are they still married? She she was on The View, wasn't she? Don't ask me why I know that. She went from Survivor to The View, and you've got issues. I know. <laughs> no, the only reason yeah, I, I remember I that so. was because SNL so used to make fun it of says, it. I think so. Saturday Night Live used to make fun of it. That's why I remember okay. that. Okay. So, yeah, so that's t- a good recovery. So Tim, thank you. Uh, so Tim is married to uh, the girl from Survivor and The View. And they have three children. Okay. She was born May 28th, 19... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. uh, so, see? Yeah, that. good call. I, yep. mean, let's see. <laughs> I mean, I just... Dude, when you put our two heads together, man, culture, man. There's nothing we can't accomplish. I mean, who knows Hasselback, but I yeah. know Elizabeth. You, you just have some survivor <laughs> knowledge, man. Props to you. Survivor's been on for like I know since, since I was. Like one third more grade. question. Do you ever discuss this? And I hate this show. I think it's like reality prostitution, uh, Bachelor <laughs> and Bachelorette. But is anybody still married from the Bachelor and Bachelorette? I'll be honest. Bachelor's where I draw the line with that. I don't. I don't watch it. Yeah, I don't either. And thankfully, Nicole doesn't care, so I'm not, like, forced into seeing it in passing. My wife watches it, and she makes sure she watches it when I'm not around <laughs> because I, I don't – I can't stop. Oh, no, I can't, just... I can't stop talking about it. I can't yeah. stop, like – Making fun of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's bad news, Brent. It's really bad. Okay, I'm not going to talk about Island, that's a whole – no. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, do you are you a big brother guy? Like Stewart's a big I brother love guy. Big brother. You do. I'm, I'm oh on, hey, not to not to sound weird. What is I'm, up with you, millennials? Hey, so, I mean, I've auditioned for Big Brother four years in a row and gotten callbacks a few times. Ooh, callbacks. Now listen, it's callbacks. Callbacks. Okay. 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 Goes on? You're yeah, watching brother. it. That See, would be awesome. Here's the thing with Big Brother, real quick though. I don't understand it because usually they're not celebrities, right? They're just random people. Yeah, it's so, a, it's so a, it's become a, celebrities. So you, you just a, watch random people living in a house. It's a big social experiment. They're all competing for. It's I essentially mean, survivor in a house. Just just go in any neighborhood and just you know peek in the windows for a couple hours of yeah, pop. Yeah, but that and gets you happens. arrested. That's, but that's it's the same principle. That's weird to me. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Weird, Thankfully, yeah. you clarified that's weird to you, and you don't do that. No, on I, don't, I don't do that, man. I have uh, way too much time on my hands. By no. the way, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're on Twitch. Yeah, exactly. With the show, twenty-four hours a day. We don't think there's many sports fans there, but they might just want to watch. Watch what Check the heck we're doing, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what you're eating every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, enough with the reality shows. Thank you. The reality show here in Jacksonville yeah. is something. Mm -hmm. And so, Gardner, I mean, we, you left off and you were, as, as much as uh, you think you, you could stunt this guy's growth if you didn't play him before, you, were, you wanted to play him. Yeah. Uh, coming out of the bye week, sure. not go to Foles, all those things. And I think you have a confidence in Minshew. Mm -hmm. I just think it's what level of confidence and are you riding and dying uh, for the next few years as an organization? Uh, are you going to advise either this this front office or the next one coming in say, hey, ride with this guy right here? Yeah, so when we're going back to the Tim Hasselbeck audio, I think it was, was that NFL Live. I think he was, it was on yeah. one of those uh, shows in ESPN. He basically said he doesn't have the physical traits to do it. Exactly. Well, could you be more specific, Tim Hasselbeck? Of what physical traits are you talking about? Because, what, he's 5'11"? Are you saying he's too short? Russell Wilson right now is probably going to win the MVP. He's 5'10". Drew Brees, who was the passing champion, I think, last year, he's 5'10 as well. So is it his height? Is it his weight? Uh, Kyler Murray, you know, everyone's saying, well, he's going to be too small. He's not going to work in the NFL. And so things, all things considered, Brent, I think he's doing an okay job for a rookie in Kyler Murray. So when Matt Hasselbeck comes out and says, I'm sorry, Tim Hasselbeck, I bet did myself. When Tim <laughs> Hasselbeck comes out and says, well, he doesn't have the physical tools. Can we be a little more specific of what exactly you're talking about? Because it's such a bad way of thinking, Brent. It, it, it's putting guys in a box. Lamar Jackson, when he was coming out, uh, you know, for the draft, they put him in a box saying he's too skinny. He's not polished enough to be an NFL quarterback. They should put him at wide receiver. Well, Lamar Jackson's in the running for being MVP too now. So we have to be careful how we put these guys in box. I'm not just saying it's the quarterback position. Even when I was coming out in the draft back in 2010, I was put in a box because when I came out of college, I was about 255 pounds. And at the time, playing most teams played a 4-3 defense. The 3-4 was just kind of coming up a little bit. To be a 4-3 defensive end, you had to weigh about 265. If you weighed 250, there was no spot for you because you're too small, supposedly, right? Well, then what happened in the next couple of years? Then the Von Millers started coming out. Then the 3-4 defenses started coming out. And all of a sudden now, you know, you have Yannick Ngakwe. You can weigh 240-something pounds and play defensive end. So we got to be careful how we put this label on, well, he doesn't look like a quarterback. He doesn't have the physical tools. Now, if you want to argue and say maybe the sample size isn't big enough and maybe we don't know what, to, you know, because we've seen the good and bad from Gardner Minshew, I can come along with you on that. But I cannot come along with you, Tim Hasselbeck, and saying he's not big enough or doesn't have the quote-unquote physical tools. Yeah, and, and 
I guess those guys are check-the-box guys, and the NFL continues to be that way, and there's a separation there, right? I mean, who do you have in the front office that's a check-the-box guy? Has Arizona moved on and said, hey, we're not checking those boxes? Mm -hmm. Has Baltimore now moved on and made that switch, say, we're not checking those boxes? This guy would be a wide receiver by from many of your your accounts. Mm -hmm. We like this guy from a quarterback standpoint. Did... Seattle do that with Russell Wilson. Did they get a little lucky too? Yes, because they had Matt Flynn and they drafted Wilson and they dra- passed him a couple times. They weren't that keen on Russell Wilson. They got a little lucky there. Sure. So uh, I I get your point on that, and I think the NFL has changed, but only when forced to change because the guy proved it. You know, mm. uh, you still have to prove it. And will they give people time to grow into that role? I always think of Tom Brady, right, because I covered that when he made the switch. And I understand he won the Super Bowl that year when he went in, and obviously they got very fortunate, right? I mean, they got the tuck rule. They kicked the winner in the snow against the Raiders. Probably shouldn't have won that game. I mean, how does that change history? Who knows? But in that Super Bowl, they did not win necessarily because of Tom Brady. They won because Bill Belichick and what he put in place defensively against that Greatest show on turf in the in the St. Louis Rams at the time, and then Benatieri kicking a game winner. So I think it was a 2017 game. I think that first one. It wasn't because of Brady, but what it did is buy him some time and give him some time. And, and Brady did okay. I'm just sure. saying he wasn't carrying the load. But if you look at the early years of guys like Brady, look at Russell Wilson, look at those guys. They had really good things happen to them even though they were put in good positions and they didn't necessarily have to do it all. Then they transformed into this guy that's kind of doing it all. Like Brady over the years at times has done everything. And Russell Wilson over these last few years has done everything while they've kind of replenished that roster. So it's interesting if you think about it that way. My point. What about Breeze, though? Well, I think Breeze has had more success when they've gotten – he's feeding into my point here. Breeze has always been very good. But Breeze still, he needed to put everything around him, including a defense. Breeze was very much like Dan Marino, in my opinion, for a long time. They could shoot, shoot out, score, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they couldn't stop anybody. You know, Dan Marino never had a running game, never had a defense good enough to put all the pieces together. And my point in all of this really is we will talk about the quarterback and the quarterback and the quarterback for a long time around here, and we should. But they have a lot more to do around that quarterback on both sides of the football or they're never going to win big in Jacksonville because Gardner Minshew might be able to carry and make a play here or there. But even those guys that we referenced, they couldn't win big when they had to do it all by themselves. They looked good doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, Russell Wilson looked great doing it at times. I mean, sure. he's putting up numbers, but they weren't winning big in Seattle these last few years while they were trying to replenish that thing. Mm-hmm. He did his best when actually he was probably a lesser quarterback. But they had more around them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So it's not just about it. And that's, I think, what they were trying to say a little bit about Nick Foles these last couple of weeks. That wasn't just Nick Foles' problem. But what I'm trying to do is say it's not just Gardner Minshew going forward. Screw the physical traits. It's more about what you have physically on the rest of that roster yeah. that will decide if. Gardner Minshew can be and will be a successful quarterback here in Jackson. Absolutely. I, I guess my my frustration with Tim Hasselbeck's comments is the fact that what does that mean? Be more specific then. Because I, I can sit here and nitpick, well, when Tom Brady came out, he didn't have the physical traits. Did you watch him run the combine? Yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, the guys more, prove people on. wrong all the time yeah. in that regard. Exactly. You know, uh, we, we, just, we just gave you a handful of sure. people. Yeah. And there's more. Yeah. When we come back, uh, Ron Rivera in Jacksonville. I don't like it. Austin kind of did. Uh, if yep. that were to materialize, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it was a conversation point. I'll elaborate a little bit more on that. What else is happening at Jags headquarters today? It's next on ESPN 690.
learning how he operates, how to, you know, make sure we're um, not getting in the perfect play, but really getting out of bad plays and some of the stuff like that. And uh, just always, anytime I get to see how he leads is a good thing. Um, so I'm very appreciative for him and, you know, how, how he's taught me so much. How tough of a situation is this for Gardner Minshew? Uh, I always th- I- I've said this a long, long time. That dynamic in the quarterback room to me is very interesting. I I respect the heck out of the job those guys do to keep kind of the peace in there. And and I think there's probably a time or two over the years where you just hate a guy and can't stand that guy being in there. Yeah. But even if you don't love the guys in there, you still have to get along with the people in there. It's a little bit like the special teams folks where they're 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 stuck with each other. It's like that going to college and you're stuck. In a in, in a three bedroom place or a three bed place yeah. dorm, yeah, and you have no idea who the other two are. Sure, like, it doesn't matter if you like them or not. Now, usually those guys get along, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like that in the quarterback room too. The only difference is, you know, one guy's playing, and then you have these kind of situations where, you know, frustration is at a high. You know, you know, Gardner Minshew said, "Hey, look what I did. I need you're going to take me out because I played one terrible game in in London." And then Nick Foles, two and a half games. Are you serious? You paid me $88 million and you're taking me out because of this kid? Sure. Who really hasn't beaten anybody mm-hmm. and had that terrible game in London and probably agrees with, <laughs> if you really asked him, <laughs> like Tim Hasselbeck in terms of the physical traits. So uh, it, it just, I've always been kind of impressed at how all these guys handle those situations. Now, you never really know fully closed closed Whoa, door but listen i've I, talked to david garrard quite a bit though and he's he had a lot of different quarterbacks in there yeah and it never said it was really at least in his kind of time I, I, that i can remember that it was a bad room but to be fair this is a really unique circumstance though of what's transpired right you you have a six-round quarterback a first-year guy that's starting now over the guy that you paid you know 88 million dollars to so from nick Foles' perspective i mean he came here to be a starter and he's not a starter anymore. So that's obviously frustrating for him. And, and I get it. We, we we see the guy in the press conferences saying, you know, it's part of the, we got to build the culture and, you know, Mr. Positivity. But there's still disappointment there. And, and I'm sure there probably still is a little awkwardness in that quarterback room. And it, it begs the question going into next year, um, do you still want that kind of awkwardness? Do you still kind of want, I don't want to say drama because it hasn't you know, escalated to drama or anything, but do you just want that uneasiness in the quarterback room, kind of that lack of cohesiveness, especially with the new staff that's bound to come in? Yeah, and I, I think that's a fair question. You know what else is starting to run through my mind? What if Gardner Minshew doesn't play well? These last four weeks. Yeah. And I I sat here uh, maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago. I don't know when it was, five, six weeks ago, and said, hey, the beauty of this thing is the Jags think they have two good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, they got Gardner Minshew, who is surprising everybody and playing well, and he's fun. And they have an $88 million guy that's won a Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP, and he's done it in the league before. And they, they like him. They obviously like him. Uh, so you take that view, and then if Gardner Minshew – plays like he did in London mm-hmm. a couple of these weeks, and we all start scratching our head and saying, hey, the jorts, the bandana, the aviator sunglasses, the mustache, that's all fun. But how good is he? Mm. I mean, are we going to go into the off season around here thinking maybe we don't have a good quarterback again? Yeah. I guess the good thing is you got two first-round picks, but still, that's something until about right now hasn't crossed my mind because I think a lot of people believe Minshew. What he did is for real, at least – a few times. Uh, can he grow from the mistakes in the not-so-great games? 
And I think there's a lot of people out there. I think a lot of people that we've talked to here on this show and that listen to the show say, well, Nick Foles is done. Get him out of here. He stinks. He's the worst quarterback to ever live. I'm not so sure I'm in that camp either. And I said yesterday a lot on the show, if you take money out of it, I would rather have both these guys on the roster in 2020 because I think that gives you the best chance. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy like Minshew who doesn't prove it and struggles out of the gates, even if he's your guy, well, you can fall back on what would essentially be the best backup quarterback in the league at that time, wouldn't you think? Probably, but at the same time, and I agree with you, it'd probably give you the best chance to win. But then I also said when I disagreed with you saying, well, the culture in that locker room, maybe some of the dynamics wouldn't be the best because now you have Nick Foles as a backup quarterback and take the money aside. I'm just saying from Nick Foles' ego – it may not mesh that well. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, do you, is there any part of you that thinks maybe the Jags don't have two even okay quarterbacks? Or do you um, think Mitchell's beyond that point? I think, and do you even so, think Foles is beyond that point? Listen, because he's... I mean, the guy's won a damn Super Bowl. I think I think as far as Minshew's concerned, your starting quarterback right now, I think he's shown growth, right? From that very first preseason game in Baltimore, Brent, we all sat here and said, man, they need to address the backup quarterback spot because I'm not sure if Minshew's it. Well, look at how much that guy has grown since then. Now you give that guy an offseason, give him the title of starting quarterback, let him know he's the guy, and see how he responds. From Nick Foles' perspective, Sure, the sample size here is small, but we've seen what he's capable of even in Philadelphia. And even when he went to the Super Bowl, even when he was a Super Bowl MVP, he wasn't putting up gaudy numbers. He had the guys around him. And I think we got to keep in mind, too, is you have to ask yourself the question, is he fitted to be a backup quarterback in Jacksonville? Like, sure, maybe the Jaguars would love to have him, but would his attitude reflect that? Because yeah, yeah. if he wanted to be a backup quarterback and be on a good team, he would have stayed in Philly. He would have took a pay cut just like Teddy Bridgewater did. But what? He left. He wanted more money, and he came to a team that he could start, you know, be a starting quarterback on. Unfortunately, that hasn't transpired for him now. So this offseason, listen, and I wish I could say I know where it's going to go. I really don't. But all I know is if you keep him next year, there's going to be a little discrepancy, I think, in that locker room. Yeah, and I think the other part of that, we did touch on this a bit uh, earlier in the week, is it, you know with all the with all the talk circling of this could be a whole new regime mm-hmm. in Jacksonville, what do those folks think about it, right? And again, are you coming down? I always use Josh McDaniels as a reference because if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm like, hey, I'm coming down there, but I'm doing it my way. Sure. You know, yeah. I might be the hot commodity. I'll come down there, but I'm doing it my way. And you know what? I don't like either one of these guys. Mm-hmm. He says that. It's like, oh, boy. Right? I mean, sure. it doesn't matter what we all think. It, yeah. it, it doesn't matter what these people think yeah. if they're all gone. Yeah. So well, there's a reality there that could get really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I I told you the point of I think that's why uh, Josh McDaniels, or a guy like that, wasn't even in the mix the last time around or didn't get this job last time around because I think he might have had the vision to blow this thing up. When Shad Khan was like, wait a minute now, we got some pieces here that we've been working on these last few years, and we think they're better than you think they are. Yeah. You know, that, that was my perception of kind of how that went down, my perception. Mm-hmm. And, well, we might be faced with a similar perception. We think we have some good pieces. We also think we have a quarterback or two. Sure. But that guy coming in being interviewed might feel a little bit differently. If and that guy doesn't tell you what he wants to hear, well... You, you're not going to hire him, most yeah. likely. Listen, you know? whoever the head coach that comes in or a new offensive coordinator that comes in, and he assesses the situation right now at the quarterback spot. And you have Nick Foles. Once again, I said the sample size, it's not big, but we do have this to go off of. Of, of all the situations in the NFL, you would think that Nick Foles coming to Jacksonville with John Filippo getting reunited, the guy that kind of shaped him into that Super Bowl MVP quarterback, he would have success. 
and he didn't. So I get it. The, the An NFL coach has an ego, and he wants to say, you know, I can take whoever, make him fit my system, and we're good to go. But at the same time, if Nick Foles can't play for John Filippo, then who can he really play for, honestly? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess if I was in that side of the camp, I'd be like, they can't play so, with them. I mean, he played two and a half games. Exactly. So <laughs> then, what well, I'm saying from the ego perspective, from the coach wanting to, you know, mold somebody, that's where the younger guy comes in. They, they, they see Gardner Minshew. Sure, maybe he's, you know, below six three. He's not the typical prototypical, you know, big height quarterback. But there's something about him, and it's something that you can win with him. He's won before in the past as a rookie, and I think a coach that can come in and say, you know what, we can work with this and we can mold him. I think that's a benefit, and obviously that's going to be a positive for the, the camp of Gardner Minshew over the, the negative of being the old vet with Nick Foles. It's hypothetical day here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 because we're going to go through that draft, that homework assignment yep. in just a little bit. But also, hypothetically, what's a better job if you're a guy, if it becomes available? I, I think I'll be a little careful to get so far ahead of it. But if it tracks this way, and with guys out there, like a guy like Ron Rivera out there, and now there's some rumblings about the Giants job or the Jags job or whatever. Like, what's a better? What would be a better one right now? And J- Jags or Giants? Don't answer that. Answer it on the other side. We'll take a timeout. Coos <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on after Coos stops talking. Uh, we'll be right back. Ron Rivera conversation next. It's really, it's it's your resume that's out there. You know, you're all professionals and you've got to go out there and play, you know, well. I mean, you know, my job is to win football games. Obviously, I'm extremely disappointed in the job that I've done. Extremely disappointed to let down the fans, like I said before, the sponsors, ownership, the rest of the building. But, um, you know, the players have have been fighting, um, focused, practicing well. We just got to figure out a way to win games and get a good taste back in your mouth. Yeah, and that's kind of what you root for right now with this Jacksonville Jaguars team. And I, I root for it just for the players and the coaches and those because it's got to be hell. <laughs> I mean, I know on the outside it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's really got to be. And when you know it's over and there's really nothing to play for. And like from Doug Marone's, I always say Doug Marone is very realistic. He knows how the NFL works. If yeah, I think in private conversations he knows he's probably screwed <laughs> here in jacksonville i mean uh, he, he's got he's, he's not dumb a dummy no, right he understands what's and going so on. unless something radically changes in the next month mm-hmm. you know and, and something to really sway everybody including shot Khan and everybody else i listen that's just the temperature of it right now and i kind of hate saying nothing's happened nobody really knows but it's like the report was an NFL network. We all could have done that. We all could have got up on NFL network or ESPN or whatever and said there's a good chance or it's likely that the Jags will move on from Doug Marone. No way. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we get it. And I think he gets it. And I think they all get it. And I think they understand what it is. They, they know the business of the NFL. So I think from that standpoint, it's really hard to just kind of get your recover mentally and get in that space that you need to get into to perform on Sundays at the highest level. I mean, what are you playing for is other than the eye in the sky, other than these auditions. We said a little bit yesterday, it's like, hey, I think you could argue they're playing for much, much more now because some of these guys are playing for their future in terms of on the field because that next regime potentially could be looking at them. Clean house. So uh, there's a lot on the line from an individual standpoint. Mm -hmm. But how does that factor into playing as a team on Sunday to win a football game? Because the farthest thing really from their mind is, hey, let's really get one more W and go to five and eight. 
Yeah. It all feels the same at this point. Yeah. But for that Sunday afternoon, that Sunday evening, 7 o'clock on, on this Sunday after the Chargers game, if they win the game, it's kind of worth it to feel good and smile a little bit on a Sunday night because it's been a month. No, absolutely. You know, and listen, you, you broke it down fantastic where this is an important last quarter for a lot of guys in those locker rooms, okay? And they're playing for their jobs. I agree with that. At the same time, though, and kind of be the devil's advocate here, I mean, the Los Angeles Chargers are coming to town. They're 4-8 and eight right now. They're not happy. They shouldn't be 4-8. and eight. I get it. They have injuries, and every team's got injuries. The Los Angeles Chargers should not be a 4-8 and eight team. I think you had them going to the Super Bowl, and I think I had Phillip Rivers uh, in the MVP contention. We were both way off. Yes, we were. So from that perspective, I get it. You have guys that are playing for their jobs, so, yeah, you may get a little more intensity. You may get a little more you know, guys really focusing in and locking into the task at hand. But it also comes down to talent, Brent. And if I'm looking at the roster right now for the Chargers, I look at the Jaguars roster, I think the Chargers have more talent. I think they're getting back healthy now. I think their defense is a lot better, obviously. I think their offense is a lot better. So with those things considered, yeah, it's easy to say you have to go out there and win games and maybe guys can rally together, and maybe they can. Maybe they can beat the Atlanta Falcons, right? I have a hard time seeing that they're going to beat the Oakland Raiders, especially in Oakland. But maybe they can beat the Falcons. The Chargers, we'll see. But I'm just saying from a top-to-bottom perspective, I think the Chargers definitely have a better roster right now, and you have to take that into account as well. Yeah, I just think I agree with you, and I think right now the Jags really are going to have a troubling time to beat the Chargers. Mm -hmm. It just depends what kind of frame of mind they are in. Mm -hmm. The only thing worse than losing and being disappointed and miserable is hopping on a flight all the way to the East Coast from San Diego to play the football game. Sure. So that's the only thing that's worse. And at least the Jaguars get to sleep in their their own bed. To me, that that's what separates this right now. And to me, it's a state of mind. It's like, okay, yeah, I agree with you. The Jags are not better than the Chargers on paper. Uh, Chargers have lost just about every game by a touchdown or less. Jags have been thumped the last month, like thumped, not even close, not even in it. So it, there's really no other way to slice it. But that's where the mental state comes into mind. That's what Doug Marone's trying to keep these guys saying, hey, there's plenty to play for. Let's go have fun with it. Uh, it's a Sunday. It, it's not It's not five and eight or four and eight or four and nine. It's it's a Sunday to play football, the game you guys love, and this tape means something for your futures as well. And so does that get across to the players, right? Does that uh, resonate at all? And more so maybe than what Anthony Lynn's telling the Chargers sure. uh, when he's on that flight and they've got to fly in. So I, I think at this stage of it, that's what you're talking about. And by the way, we'll talk about the same type of thing, potentially, depending on how the Raiders do this week. Well, the Raiders will still have much more to play for, mm-hmm. and that will be their last game in Oakland, in the Coliseum. But it's it might be the same type of thing. Jaguars have to get on a plane and go out west and they're like, oh my gosh, we got to do this again. Can we just cancel the season right now? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and, and there one is thing, that thought. And right? one thing I want to keep in mind How many here times, too: that, that two and fourteen in the Malarkey era. Sure. Did it ever cross your mind? Like, can we please have like some suspension of this season for some odd reason? Yeah. No. Can I we you. strike? With the CBA right now. <laughs> Just get us out of here. I know. No, I'm with you, Ben. Yeah, I, I thought that many times. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Those plane rides back home and those bus rides, you know, and those were rough at the end. Yeah, really awful. Um, one thing to keep in mind, though, I don't get too ahead of ourselves here, but that last game, Indianapolis Colts come to Jacksonville. That's an important game because they always say you're only as good as your last fight or you're only as good as your last game. And I think talking about momentum, and I get it, 
the coaching staff, maybe the front office thought we cleared out. I get that. But for the guys in that locker room to actually just build on a little momentum, that's going to stick with you. And I'm being serious. When you're going through, you know, spring ball, you're going through OTAs, you're going through, uh, you know, the, the conditionings and the summer stuff and all that stuff, that last game that you play, it sticks with you. And I think that if they can come out with a win against the Colts, they'll have at least a little momentum going into the next regime coming in here. But once again, that's a couple weeks away. If the Jags show us something on Sunday, I wouldn't be afraid to say, they heck, maybe they'll go out to Oakland and, and beat a Raiders team that's really struggling right now. You know, maybe the Atlanta's been awful, and then for two weeks they were very good, but they've been awful other than that. Sure. You know, so you can start making the case. What I what I always say about this time of year, and we've been here so many times with the Jags, is you got to have to prove it to me, man. I mean, what am I buying right well, now from the Jags? I mean, how can I buy anything you're selling mm-hmm. right now on on Sunday afternoons if if uh, if you're Jags fan, if you're a Jags believer, I, I mean, I can't. I mean, I'm the ultimate positive guy in the Jags. I'd like to find a way, but what do, what do I have to hang my head on right now, Minshew? I mean, I guess. You yeah. can, does everybody get that energy, and do they start fast instead of behind? Oh, maybe. Yeah. If you want to sell me on that, you can. But I'm going to tell you, the last time I saw him start a game, it was pretty ugly in London. So here's the thing, too, about the Chargers that's so great uh, to kind of analyze where the Jaguars are at. Brent, what would you say has been the biggest disappointment this year for the Jacksonville Jaguars? As a whole, their defense. Thank you. Yeah, their defense. And I think if we were to analyze and say, well, what parts of their defense? You're going to say, well, where are they disappointing? Where did that have to be better? Obviously, it's stopping the running back where they have Melvin Gordon, you know, who's I think is a very capable running back. And they have Austin Eckler, who the Jaguars have had problems stopping the, the, the pass catching uh, back as well. So you got two guys. You got one guy that can run, one guy that can catch the balls out of the backfield. Two things you got to stop. And we're going to see if the Jaguars have made any kind of improvement at all. And I say it every week, man. I know. And I say it to nauseam because I was all about it. Like, yeah, the Christian McCaffrey lights them up. They come back and they play well. well now They we'll, usually fix it. Yeah, exactly. That's been the crazy thing is they've tried to fix it. I, I asked Calais in the locker room on mm-hmm. Sunday. I said, I mean, how frustrating is it when you know you're trying to fix stuff during the week and you're swinging and missing? Yeah. I mean, they're obviously – trying to go attention to detail on these things of, of tackling and, and angles and stopping the run and mm-hmm. this kind of now again their defense was better against Tampa. But now to, but it was to relative fair, to three disasters. Tampa, Tampa doesn't run the ball though. No they don't, but I'm just saying so. in, in the second half there were six possessions for the Bucks. They yeah. gave up a field goal, they had a turnover and nothing else. Because so Tampa was running the ball though. <laughs> I just, well, they didn't have to do much. I get yeah, it. They were yeah. up 25 to nothing. Yeah. Listen, I'm trying to help. No, I, I, I'm trying I know to find for the sunshine and rainbows, man. I get it. I mean, I there's understand. been nothing to cling on to here. I know. So that second half for their defense might be a little It's, it's a little confidence boost. I understand that, but I'm just saying the Chargers offense that's coming to town they're capable when Phil Rivers is on in the pass game, and they're very capable in the run game as well. Giants job or Jags job, if it comes open, is it better? What do you think? Can we go come out after the break and I can answer the question? I need a little time to dwell sure. on this here, man. You kind of put me on the spot. Yeah, and you do. For, and never have delivered. Put me on the spot. I'm over-teasing, under-delivering. <laughs> so we will deliver next. A lot of times when you're playing... You got a million different things that you're having to focus in on, uh, and you kind of lose some of the bigger stuff. Uh, or I guess I should say some of the smaller stuff sometimes. Um, but when you when you're out of that role, you can kind of step back and see the little details, and um, it, it was a really good experience for me. Being able to being able to watch Nick and see how he does it is a great opportunity to learn, um, and like I said, be able to step back and see it kind of from a different perspective. That's a little quarterback player speak right there. Bernard Minshew today talking about those couple weeks where he didn't play. But I actually believe it from the quarterback position, especially a young guy. 
I think it can be very beneficial depending on how you approach it and look at it and see it. Because I think there's no doubt. Uh, we had these discussions about Minshew before. He was leaving stuff out there. Or he wasn't yeah. willing to take it or take the chances. Mm-hmm. So to sit back after playing eight games in the NFL and having a taste of it and probably looking on film every week and every day and saying, I did this well, didn't do this well, and then seeing it from the sideline. Again, I, I'm not saying he wants to see it from the sideline, but I do think it probably had a benefit to it. Now, will that turn into anything? I, I, I think those are all subtle things that we probably don't see, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I bet it does turn into something. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, people uh, talking about, the play on the goal line. Do you see that play on social media where Cole was wide open? Yeah, on the interception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the thing about it to me is like, okay, but he threw it to Westbrook, and Westbrook should have caught it. Correct. So, if, was it the best read? Maybe not, because the other guy's wide open. Sure. Um, but but how many times the quarterbacks not make the best read, and that, it's, still, it, it's still okay. That's the thing. Like, you know, as long on. as it works out, it doesn't matter if a guy's running wide open. Exactly. Uh, but I I think. I think there are more of those plays out there for Gardner Minshew that he hasn't seen in his time in the NFL that he probably will learn to see or or get more comfortable seeing. And mm-hmm. and the same thing goes for the offensive line. The only difference between him and Foles when it comes to the offensive line is he can get the heck out of there. Correct. And so once he gets the heck out of there, well, then you're you're running half the time and trying to keep your eyes down the field. And most of that time, you're going to one side of the field, so your other side is cut off completely, mm-hmm. right? So there's just so much that goes in. It's such a hard position to play, uh, and we'll see if there's some growth from Gardner Minshew. I also think it's really hard to win in the NFL. Uh, it's hard to coach in the NFL. Ron Rivera conversation has come up a lot in the last 24 hours. He gets fired by the Panthers after a pretty good run. Uh, I think two-time coach of the year, 15-1 and one in 2015, had two other double-digit win seasons in nine years in Carolina. Had Cam Newton to play with, had Luke Keekley, had some really good players along mm-hmm. the way. We said this yesterday and just briefly. You like Ron Rivera. I do. I'm not saying I dislike. Uh, by the way, I say he's a great man, too. Sure. Um, but I I don't get excited for Ron Rivera. Like, if, if there's a change here in Jacksonville, yeah. that's not where I'm leaning first. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself this. I, I'm pretty sure if I have his records right, outside of those three double-digit seasons, mm-hmm. I think the rest of them were 500 or below, and most of them below, like most of them around six and ten or a seven and nine. So would you take three out of nine here in Jacksonville? I guess is what you got to ask yourself. And they had a quarterback for a lot of that in Cam Newton. Yeah. So I don't understand. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he lands somewhere next year, and his overall win-loss record is over 500. But again, I think it's heavily because of the the three seasons that they were really good. What what is he year by year? So year by year, starting 2011, six and ten, 2012, seven and nine, 2013. Uh, 12 and 4, 2014, 7 and 8, 2015, 15 and 1, 2016, 6 and 10, 2017, 11 and 5, 2018, 7 and 9. And right now they, well, they're, they're right now they're 5 and 7. Yeah. So, so again, not, not even a 500 record. Sure. In six of the years, but three of the years, very good. Mm-hmm. And and I don't, I don't know where, yeah, around here, would you take that probably? <laughs> pretty, pretty competitive division too. A competitive division, true, yeah. true. Uh, but I mean, people aren't going to fly for that. No, man. I, I, I okay. mean, uh, yeah. you, you can't. Essentially, here's what I'm trying to say: mm-hmm. 
one out of three years. Yeah. One out of every three years. Ron Rivera would get it done. Sure. Well, the guy that you might kick out of here just got it done one out of every three years, too, you know. Yeah. So. So. I, I just don't understand all of a sudden this this love with with Ron Rivera, nice guy, good football coach, probably. I think Doug Marone can be a good football coach too. It's just it's a situational thing. I'm just not sitting here. Bring Ron Rivera here. I've been a little surprised at, at some of the reaction to say get Ron Rivera here, get Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, stop the car, hold the phone, man. I'd rather probably try some new blood before I try Ron Rivera. So. Listen, I think the trend right now, people would say that they want the offensive-minded guy. And we actually we had a little conversation during one of the segments about my philosophies and kind of both our philosophies with what makes a good head coach. And I go by history a little bit, and I go by the current state of the NFL right now. And if we're looking at the cultures, you know, the, the, the teams that are always consistent, because let's be honest here, you're not trying to bring a coach that's a flash in a pan. You're trying to bring a coach that's going to set a, set a culture for a long, long time. And when I think cultures that, you know, have been set for a while now, I think of the Seahawks. I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ravens. I think of the Baltimore Ravens. Patriots. And what are the, and the Patriots. What do those teams all have in common? They have defensive-minded guys that are at the helm. Right, because for whatever reason, we were trying to think of it, maybe it's personality, but for whatever reason, defensive-minded coaches seem to shape a culture a lot better. I get it. Right now, the the offensive coordinator, like the offensive-minded coach, it's the sexy thing. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 Kingsburys, the Sean McVeighs, the Doug Petersons, Zach Taylor. Well, how are they doing right now? Not that good. Sure, Sean McVay was a flash in the pan, but how's he doing right now? I think the only consistent one I can say that has built a culture that comes to the top of my head, obviously, is Peyton. Sean Peyton. Uh, Sean Peyton yep. in New Orleans. Set aside from that, I'm having a hard time trying to drop some names right now of of guys that, you now, know. Jay Gruden couldn't do it. I mean, is Shanahan about to do yeah. it in San Francisco? We'll find out. Yeah. It's a good point. It's yeah. a really good point. And you know what I think? The answer, you asked me this in a break. So why is that? Yeah. And I think because offensive guys are arrogant. Yep. And and on top of being arrogant, arrogant usually can equate to doesn't always to being a jerk. Yeah. And that runs that that gets old quick. There's another guy too. I'm gonna bring up Sean McDermott from the Buffalo Bills. Now, yep. now I get it, man. They haven't won a lot, but they're pretty successful this Those are season. Good examples, and he's changing man. the culture, man. That's a pretty good. So that's a pretty good list of defensive yeah. guys from a culture standpoint. Exactly. And listen, the guy that had the most sustainable success around here recently. Yeah. Was Jack. Correct. You know? Yeah. And Del Rio was that. Yeah. So now Gus was defensive guy, and it didn't happen Didn't that work way. out. Yeah. All right. When we come back, our homework assignment gets unveiled. And A, A plus D, what's it going to be next on ESPN 690? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at Phil's career, I haven't gone against him much, but I've always admired him, you know, from a distance, just the way he goes about it, just the consistency. Um, you know, he's played a long time. He's tough to fool. You know, it's not like he's gonna you're going to give him something that – you know, maybe he has not seen before. I think he's seen it all. I think he's extremely intelligent. I think he's an unbelievable competitor. And he has guys around him, you know, with, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Uh, is it a little spread it around. That's Doug Marone on Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is a Jags killer. Yeah. Like, you you can give me – I know recently it's been Derrick Henry, and it's embarrassing. Yeah. Well, Philip Rivers has been just as embarrassing. Sure. I mean, awful. Mm-hmm. So it was a four-year stretch where Philip Rivers was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> like I, I single in. I think Gus Bradley, like, should, like when he was fired after four years. Yeah. The measuring stick alone should be Rivers. Like it never got better against M- Philip Rivers. Like yeah. he, he just like they couldn't figure out Philip Rivers in, in San Diego at that time. Yeah. So 
uh, it, it's been so bad. In fact, this week on Countdown to Kickoff, we'll at the wall that says it all. Mm-hmm. We'll actually show you Philip Rivers against the Jags this decade. The other astonishing thing is how often they've played San Diego or L.A. Sure, yeah, almost every year. I think, with the exception of they didn't play them last year in eighteen. Mm-hmm. But I think it's almost every year this decade, other than eighteen. Yeah, uh, I got to double check because we we're doing some work on that. But that's odd. Yeah, because you don't. I mean, you play the team that finishes in the same level as you, mm-hmm. uh, and they've played the Chargers a bunch. I, I love how Doug Marone was kind of saying he's all. You know, he's very competitive, which is a nice way of saying the guy's a loose cannon and borderline psychotic. Because <laughs> believe me when I say, of all the quarterbacks I played against. He's by far the biggest loose cannon as far as like yelling and shouting, but I've never heard a guy yell so much on a football field and not cuss. Like for every reason, like he he can just weave a tapestry of just yelling and just craziness, but never cuss one time. It's very impressive. Shout out to Philip Rivers. Well, he's got eight kids and I think well, a ninth I, on the way. I'm sure when you're a family man like that, you gotta watch what you say around the little ears. I I I, I had to do this. The Jags have gotten pounded by them so many times. We're sure. doing our our. Post-game stuff in San Diego after one of the losses, maybe it's 2015, and he's playing on the – he comes out after the locker room and all his post-game stuff, and he's playing football on the field with, like, five of his kids. <laughs> so he's throwing it around, and yeah. they're, like, running around and throwing yeah. around. And then I see him kind of go in the tunnel. I'm like, you know what? I got to do this. I got to go up and ask – I'm going to ask him, what is it about this defense that, like, you love, this scheme? Yeah. Because you just rip it apart. Yeah. And – I at least asked the question. I did not get as much in return as I thought. It looked oh, like he was going to yeah. give away his secrets. Sure, sure, sure. He's like, ah, I mean, we just, he was more like very political about it. Like, I, we got fortunate a couple of times and, yeah. and, you know, we, we liked what we saw and, you know, you get used to some of it, but it wasn't anything like, well, this is why I love it. You know, yeah, like, what yeah. the hell was he going to tell Brent Martino from Jacksonville that for? I'd never met him before. Sure. But I was like, I've got to go ask this guy. Yeah. And, what and is I was it? like, why do you love this defense? Because, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you go back to 13, 14, 15 in that neighborhood, and Phillip Rivers' best games came against the Jack. They had to have. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you could have played any better mm-hmm. against anybody else. Yeah. And uh, now back here on the, I think in 17, was the one time this decade that he really didn't have a great game. Mm-hmm. And the Jags ended up winning that. Remember, everybody was trying to give that game away. Blake Bortles tried to give it away a couple times. Jags ended up winning in overtime. They got lucky that they won in overtime. We'll see what happens Sunday. All right, we said it. Homework assignment, here we go. So the deal was this. The all-almost-decade team in Jacksonville. Yeah. All right? And let me preface it with this. So the Jaguars in 2010, this is the first round only. You can't go beyond the first round. I didn't have this much time on my hands, quite frankly. If you Mm -hmm. want to do it for the other rounds, go nuts. Yeah. And give it to us, but I'm not doing it. Yep. 2010, Tyson Alawala. Yes. 2011, Gabbro. 12, Blackman. 13, Jokel, 14, Bortles, 15, Fowler, 16, Ramsey, 17, Fournette, 18, Brian, and 19, Josh Allen. Mm. Now, one thing I found out, it's pretty interesting how the Jags did this, and I think it just falls this way because you take best players, sometimes you take need, and they at least took a couple of quarterbacks, which this franchise hasn't done too many times. Mm -hmm. But in that, they took two defensive tackles, two quarterbacks, a wide receiver, a left tackle, two defensive ends, and a cornerback and a running back. They yeah. kind of spread it out, like mm-hmm. what they did take. I mean, you took your prime positions, quarterback, defensive ends, and I would say sometimes you can gamble high up and take a corner like they did with Ramsey and defensive tackle. So they went big, yep. right? Out, so the outlier is Fournette at running back in the top five, and maybe another outlier would have been Justin Blackman at number five as a wide receiver. 
Correct. Uh, in terms of position. Yes. So that's kind of what the Jags did. Yes. The story here is what they could have done better. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. We go in 2010 first? 2010. All right, 2010. Didn't take Tim Tebow, unfortunately. I know you want to put butts in seats. Not taking Tim Tebow. I'm taking Earl Thomas. Safety out of Texas. That's a great one. That's so did I. Because Earl Thomas, you had here's what your options were. Yep. Earl Thomas, Des Bryant, Marquise Pouncey, and Devin McCourty. You could have taken any of them. Sure. All of them really good. Mm-hmm. And I said Earl Thomas, too. He's a Hall of Famer, probably, right? Exactly. I mean, he really built that. I mean, people talk about Sherman all the time and Cam Chancellor. Earl Thomas was just as, as important to the Legion of Boom. All right, 2011. 2011. Uh, I'm going defense again. I'm taking Cam Jordan. Ah, very good. Now, th- 11 this is, yeah. was interesting because, mm-hmm. again, I left J.J. Watt off for my list because the Jags initially were picking 16th. Yep. They traded up to get Gabbert. Watt goes 11th. Yep. Ryan Kerrigan goes 16th. He does. To the Redskins. Cam Jordan I also have on this list. Mm-hmm. Mike Pouncey, Nate Solder, and uh, Jermaine Gresham. Mm-hmm. One of the few tight ends available the entire decade. Yep. Uh, but I would also have said Cam Jordan the best of the bunch. All right. We're on the same page yes. so far, Brent. Look at us, man. Now, see, you did a little different. You named just one guy. I tried to find a little bit of everybody's posi- the positions that they could have found. Sure. But you're only allowed the one pick, so yep. it makes sense. I'm going the highest need. Oh, 2012, we're getting crazy now. 2012, Brent. I'm going from Mississippi State. Ring the bell. Very nice. I'm going Fletcher Cox. Very good call. Very good call there. And here's what you could have done. Luke Keekley, Stephon Gilmore, Fletcher Cox, Melvin Ingram, Chandler Jones. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Mm -hmm. I'm going Luke Keekley. Oh, okay. Well, we have Paul Puzlesny, though. So step in my office because you're fired. Because now we have two middle linebackers. What are you going to do? Did that happen in 2010? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's okay, though. I mean, Fletcher Cox was second, too, on my list. (laughs) Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) And listen, if you're not taking that into account, obviously I think Luke Keekley is the the best player out of that class. But you're right. They would have already had Puz. Yeah, when you bring Puz in, you got to go around it. It's not a need. Yeah. And you're not going to move Puz outside linebacker. So, yep. Good call. 2013 is a tough draft. Yeah. You know, listen, the Jaguars swung and missed. Luke Jokel, bad pick. But to be honest with you, I could only find three players that I would have even been willing to pick in that first round. Sure. It was Lane Johnson, who just got an extension, by the way, from the Eagles. Yeah. Xavier Rhodes, who actually has not played well this year. Nope. Although he has been very productive and very good overall. And Kyle Long mm-hmm. was the other one from a, a interior line position yeah. and you weren't going to take an interior lineman number two overall in the no, draft no and you probably weren't taking a corner number two but you could have taken lane johnson instead of jokel yeah uh tyler eipert's another interesting one but knowing what we know now with the injuries I mean, I you're not gonna take him right there have but, been a couple of those kind of cases yeah. too where i said ah, i know yeah, i don't like how much. that shook out uh if it's me i'm obviously i think the, the only choice here is lane johnson the guy just got a new contract. I think he's the highest paid right tackle right now in the NFL for good reason. Uh, I think he went fourth that year to the Eagles, if I'm not correct. mistaken. Yeah, so actually, so I have back-to-back Eagles right now. I took Fletcher Cox, and now I got Lane Johnson. Well, here's the deal. They drafted better than we did, and they ended up in the Super That's Bowl. That's what happens, right? Uh, Blake Bortles, Khalil. That, that, now, this is the best one. Mm-hmm. You want to know how many guys you could get in 2014? Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. By the way, Gus Bradley really wanted. Mike Evans. Aaron Donald. Yeah. Zach Martin. D. Ford, Anthony Barr, Eric Ebron, Zach Martin. I wrote twice. C. J. Mosley. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. 2014. You could argue was the biggest swing and miss because Blake Bortles was the pick. Yep. And you could have had one of those guys. 
And Blake Bortles, a lot of people will argue, set your franchise back because you stuck with him for five years, put you in this dead money situation this year. Now, I give you one caveat on Blake Bortles, and I know you negative folks out there, you people, will always <laughs> say what it looks like now. Yeah. But I always remind everybody that doesn't like the picks of the Bortles and the Fowlers and the and the Fordettes, well, that's fine. But eliminate 2017 from your memory banks. Like, that wasn't any fun. Mm-hmm. Because those guys helped get you there mm-hmm. to the AFC Championship game, a place that only had been twice in this franchise's history. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing. Listen, I've been here 12 years, and that was the only time I've been to the AFC Championship <laughs> game. And the only time they've even had a winning record in my time here. And the only time it's been fun around here, around this time of year. So I value 2017 quite a bit. Yep. So if, I, I understand in the hindsight all this stuff, but those guys that they drafted all helped get 2017 accomplished, sure. even if it wasn't sustainable in the long term. Yep. So who, who am I taking on this class, Brent? Deep class. A lot, lot of one, talent man. here. Not you got to go, all. Aaron Donald. Not tough at all. Yep. I'm going to sit down, Mr. Mississippi State, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher, you're a fantastic player, but guess what? You're playing nose technique now. You know why? Because Aaron Donald's coming and play three technique. Come along with me. Let's go to some Super Bowls. He agrees. We take Aaron Donald. We're like the San Francisco 49ers, Brent. We build the defensive line first, and then we work outward. And right now, we got a good-looking roster. I'm taking Aaron Donald. Oh, and a little bonus for you. I'm taking Devontae Adams second round over Marquise Lee. That's fine. Yeah. I told you to stay away from the second round. I, I couldn't resist, man. It was just so juicy. I think in hindsight, this was really tough. Okay. Because Aaron Donald might be the best player in football. Okay. But Khalil Mack is a more valuable position. And mm. so picking at that spot, to mm. me, would have been Khalil Mack, game wrecker, might be on pace to be a Hall of Famer. And I'll tell you another guy that would be really tough, like if you had to redraft mm-hmm. from a from a um, uh, no-doubt lock probably headed to Canton someday, too, is Zach Martin. Yeah. On offense. You need some offensive linemen. What The biggest complaint this area has about the Jaguars, to me, if I'm in the grocery store, if we're on the radio, if I'm social media, it all comes eventually back to offensive line. Yeah. Well, if you could have Zach Martin, would you give away, obviously Bortles, but Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, to have that stability that guy on the offensive line. I wonder what people would say to that. But picking it as is on that, I think I'm take I'm even taking Khalil Mack over Donald in that situation. Oh, wow. Okay. We'll see how this pans out well, for you, p- man. Partly because no, we I had know, the hey, Fletcher hey, Cox. Well, I'm not I benching Fletcher Cox two, I told two you, years in. I told you I'm putting Fletcher Cox at that the nose technique. He's big enough to do that. And I'm putting Aaron Donald at the three technique. We're winning Super Bowls. You have two middle linebackers right now <laughs> in Punk and Luke Keekly. Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. By 2015, you're probably packing your bags going someplace else because you, you just got fired. Uh, I didn't factor in the free agency. Oh, uh, you should have. 2015, uh, Fowler is the pick. Yeah. Could have been Amari Cooper, and I think the Jags were hot on Amari Cooper. Sure. Todd Gurley mm. or Melvin Gordon. Mm. I don't have a receiver by this time. Mm. Well, I... I drafted Adams in the second round. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I don't have a receiver. You don't have a receiver. Yeah. I, I would I would have that time if I need a receiver. Sure. More so than I'm picking running back in top five, I can find those guys. Okay. And I'm taking uh I'm taking Amari Cooper. I'm taking a receiver out of the backfield. I'm taking Todd Gurley. <laughs> Very yeah. good. 
I, and, and, and I want you to get to this yeah. is an important part of this demonstration right now. Yeah. If you have you have now made it all the way to 2016 without a quarterback, without a quarterback drafted in the first round. Yep. I will give the Jaguars credit for this. They tried and mm-hmm. you need to try. They tried with two, mm-hmm. two picks in the top five, well, top ten in a five, six year span. I, I'm not rewarding you for trying but you need to try and this is an organization that if you go back through its history prior to 2010 really hadn't drafted many quarterbacks especially early yeah so i think at least they rolled the dice on the qbs like i never gave gene smith and that regime a a much lip for going up and getting gabbert because in my opinion it's like okay we really want that guy that's our guy and I believe in it, and I'm convicted in it, and I'm trading up and going to get him. And if you really look back, they didn't even give up too, too much, Correct. if I remember correctly, in that pick. Again, they're wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. so your evaluations are wrong. Yeah. But I'm saying if you put yourself in that moment to go get a franchise quarterback and say, i got to trade up six spots, hell yeah, I'm doing it. I like the conviction mm-hmm. to go do it. Obviously, it didn't pan out. And, of course, they got unlucky with Blackman in 2012. I believe he would have been a franchise guy. Yeah. Uh, I think he would have been a perennial Pro Bowl guy, and then you don't have to pick Amari Cooper, and you can take Todd Gurley, and all those other things kind of fall in place. All right, 2016, I didn't even add anybody else. Don't I had Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, man. Let's be honest. I mean, that's, yeah. Got any more brain busters? 2017, Fournette. Oh, boy. So finally, seven years in the decade, yeah, you get the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Do you take Watson, mm-hmm. Mahomes? Mm-hmm. You had McCaffrey at running back, O.J. Howard at tight end, Evan Ingram at tight end, Jamal Adams at safety. Yeah. Well, I already got Todd Gurley. I don't need to run him back. I'm taking back to Mahomes. Yeah, I take Mahomes over. Nice. 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 The only problem is Taven Bryan gets picked the next year. And the only guy to take behind Taven Bryan in the first round would be Lamar Jackson. Yeah, correct. No, well, see, well then I went. That's to the, a tough one. Well then I, I went to the second round. Did you? What did yeah. you get? Well, I was, I, gonna, I was gonna have Jackson play wide receiver for my team, but because because <laughs> we just got Patrick Mahomes. Hey, sorry, dude, I don't need you playing quarterback. We got Patrick Mahomes. Half on at wide receiver. Let's see what you got. No, I'm taking Darius Leonard in, in the uh, first yeah. round. Yeah, yeah. There you go, linebacker. Okay. Building the defense you know, up. The guy I looked up uh, that went a little later that I think you could have made a play at is uh, Goddard, the tight end. Correct. So yeah. I think he goes like maybe around number 42 or something like that. Yeah. But either way, you could have played a play at Goddard. And the way this place is starved for tight ends sure. might not have been a bad idea. Uh, you got uh, Brian and then Josh Allen. I didn't even look at anybody Don't, else. Yeah, I didn't need to. I think Josh Allen is, is Josh Allen. So the Jags essentially two, four, six, eight, ten picks made two picks that I wouldn't have changed. Mm-hmm. And that is Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate their efforts to get the QBs in 2011 and 2014, even though it didn't work. But, man, we left a lot of Pro Bowls out on the you draft did. board. You did. Here in Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean. Some, they, some Hall of Famers, too, will potentially. Hall of Famers. Yeah. And some, like like DeAndre Hopkins, I think, was on my list somewhere. He was. He was and, on my list, too. But he went way back. Like, he was like 27th or something in Correct. that first round. So a lot of people pass on. So he's probably not going to be that top five pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he still could be. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he ended up playing so well. Uh, I, I added up all those players. I got three QBs, two running backs, two left tackles, four guards, a center, no right tackles, which Osho shed some light on. Basically, Jawan Taylor was never getting picked in the top ten. <laughs> As a right, it didn't happen yeah. the entire decade that a right tackle was picked in the top ten. At least that was Whoa. any good. Lane Johnson. 
Oh, uh, yeah. He's, he's right tackle. That's a good call. I go. missed that one. You're all right. That's the only one. And uh, that was a probably. bad draft. Yeah. It was a bad draft. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's yeah, the okay. only one. Yep. Bad draft. Yep. Uh, tight ends, I found four of them. But that was my other thing about this whole project. Not easy to find tight ends, man. No. And if you go look at the whole decade, I actually followed this up and looked at Pro Bowl tight ends. Okay. And if you find Pro Bowl tight ends outside of Gronkowski, outside of Jermaine Gresham in his first couple of years, and then a little bit later on, Julius Thomas had those good years, but we saw Julius Thomas here and that didn't work out. Most of the tight ends that go to the Pro Bowl yeah. are 26 and over. My point is, it it takes a little while to get going at the tight end position. I think you missed one player. Kittle. No. Who Aaron Hernandez. Wasn't he a Pro Bowler? He had a good rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. I when did I played not. Against. Unless okay. I missed him, and I might have. All right, but, I, but I didn't see him as the Pro, but okay. he might have made one. Okay. Um, and I'm looking early. Yeah. Like 25 and under. When they first come into the league for the first couple of years, yeah. the big thing around here is this team has no tight ends. It's been hard to find tight ends. In fact, they started the decade oh. with a Pro Bowl tight end. Mercedes Lewis went to the Pro Bowl in 2010. Yeah. You're right. He didn't go to the Pro Bowl in 2010 as a rookie. He had he had 45 receptions, six touchdowns, 563 yards. So it's when did bad. he go to the Pro Bowl? He didn't go to the Pro Bowl at all. He never did. Interesting. Well, probably because Gronkowski. Yeah, but I, okay, yeah, makes sense. Okay. So anyway, that My bad. in that experiment, mm-hmm. I found that tight ends are tough to get. They are. And either that, you have to wait for them to mature a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like so, Josh Oliver, don't write him off. Well, even look at like, T.J. Hawkinson. He was the this was the can't miss guy. To be fair, fifty yards. Or it, and he's on the IR now, so he's out for the rest of the season. But he didn't put up those big gaudy numbers that everyone was, was kind of calling for him to put up. I'm starting to think tight ends get hurt all the time too. Yeah, that's what it feels. I'm still like. Still on the Noah Fant bandwagon, Brent. You know me. John Bachman checks in. <laughs> what do you think about our all-almost-decade team? I mean, it's not even close, right? I'm, I'm totally beating Brent's team. Yeah, I, I, I think you are. Yeah. And I would say, you know, how long did it take Kittle to get developed? I mean, he, he was no, not he was, in, he, was a, he was early. Real yeah. quick? He's okay. one of the early He's ones. He's a rare one, but yeah. But again, um, it's just not... Gresham, you, you Gresham talk- Gronkowski, Julius Thomas, Kittle, and Hooper, and those are one-off guys. You know, Gresham and Gronkowski are multiple perennial per- Pro Bowlers, Julius Thomas, those couple of years, but we've learned that that was it. Yeah. Like, that was Peyton Manning and that electric offense, mm-hmm. and not really Julius Thomas. It's just tough to find. Yeah, I mean, you're doing this 30- with hindsight. I yeah, mean, imagine exactly. trying to find them without hindsight. Without, yeah. yeah, and and most tight there aren't even a lot of tight ends drafted yeah. in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just not a first round draftable position often. And maybe you already explained this. I came in late, but uh, the other thing that to, to think about with this draft is that if the Jags hit on the first couple of these drafts, you really might not have a chance to get some of these other guys you're talking oh, about because you're going to be drafting lower in so you can't you can't claim grabbing all of them. It's a good call. I like so that. So there is some I, I'm not going to defend the Jags, but I mean, you well, can't no, that's a very, say again. That, yeah, that's a domino effect. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like we were saying, like you pick Fletcher Cox, do you pick Aaron Donald? Yeah, because Aaron Donald was like a 13th, 14th pick in that draft. Correct. He wasn't like yeah. a top five pick. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's but sometimes you fall into other guys back there. You fall into DeAndre Hopkins if you're picking number 25. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, you fall into the idea yeah. of getting after a, a Lamar Jackson. Well, or maybe you get your <laughs> tight ends because you pick your tight end later in the first round. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by so. the way, you're winning. So it's <laughs> not as big a deal. Exactly. Um, real quick, fascinating I'll- to look back, though. The Jags, the Jags have drafted okay outside of the first round. Their first round has really been hurtful. Yeah. And if you add it all up, you know, you know it's crazy to think. Just real quick, John. Gabbert, Blackman. <laughs> Jokel, Bortles, I would say Fowler, okay, and Brian. Take those guys out, those six. 
that leaves you with Alualu has had a very productive career. Still in fact, playing. if you rank the draft picks in terms of productivity in the career, I think Alualu, who was much maligned around here because of the Tebow year and who the heck is Tyson Alualu, <laughs> will end up with probably a top five ranking out of all these draft picks, probably a top four mm-hmm. guy in terms of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, still shouldn't have been a 10th overall pick, but that's what we're looking at. And I think you are looking at a guy who Fournette has resurrected his career. Ramsey's going to be a perennial pro bowler over the course of his career. He's already made two of them. I think Josh Allen is on his way. Mm-hmm. And so outside, of, I mean, you ended up in that position where you're picking top 10 quite a bit. And I think you can even take Taven Bryan out of this because where you selected, that's hit or miss mm-hmm. in terms of making pro bowls. But you take top 10 pick, top 10 pick, top 10 pick this entire decade and really the only two players that you'll find going to Pro Bowls are likely Ramsey and Allen and maybe a Fournette. So you were 20% on finding studs. And I wonder what other teams are. And by are. the way, one of them's not here anymore what, in Jalen Ramsey. What is the going percentage, though? I mean, I wonder what, and maybe that's your homework for tomorrow, Brent. Find out what the other team's percentages are. Well, because the, and the I best would guess is... Who's picking top ten all the time? You got to find Cleveland. You got to find. Well, but those even kind of but teams. it doesn't have to be all the time. Go back and see. You know, give get 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 ten. You know, get a yeah, team that's, that's picked ten top ten or you know whatever, and 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 see what how their percentage is because I would. I mean, I don't know. No, Maybe twenty percent isn't as bad as we think it is. Is yeah, all I'm saying. I will say this. And again, I sound like I'm defending the Jack. I mean, it well, is what it is. But. I will say this: three out of the last four years been pretty good. Yeah. Ramsey, Fournette, and Josh Allen. I'm yeah. just bummed that Shad Khan's going to hear this now and offer me a front office job, and I'm not going to be able to do the radio anymore. Mate, like, that is, oh, that Aaron is Donald unfortunate. Oh, Cox? That's interesting, Austin. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing is here, Austin Lane Lamar is playing. Jackson, that wide receiver. Austin Go play, on. Austin Lane is playing with uh, no offensive lineman, no tight end, <laughs> hey, no running hey, back, no quarterback, no First wide of all, receivers. Hey, we have Lane Johnson, <laughs> yeah. sir. We have Lane Johnson, sir. What are you talking about? No receivers. Hey, real I quick. I clicked about the end of the second round. Hey, if I could, I want to weigh in on this culture thing because I was listening to you guys, and I'll okay. tell you a funny story as to why I was listening to you in a minute because normally I'm downstairs working. I was in my car. I'll okay. tell you why in a okay. second. That's a tease. But I was listening, and I thought fascinating because I seems like you hit on something there with the culture and being defensive-minded. The only thing sure. I'll say is I'll defend Sean McVay because, number one, I know him a little bit, but mostly I know his, his family, his Wait, dad. You, you know him? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad was my boss in Atlanta. Dang. So, okay. so, uh, and and it's interesting you say it because um, John ran wind sprints in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Well, he made a dude, when, I, when I had a bad broadcast, Sean getting a job. When so, I, so, yes, I, that's what I'm I saying. Know you, you yes. know Sean so now you can coach the Jags. Hey, Brad, later, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun, man. It's been fun talking on the radio. I got my Sean McVay connection. I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm out of five thousand, baby. Uh, uh, this is what I'll say. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So what I'm saying, though, is, I, you know, I know a little bit about him and I know a lot about his dad. And, of course, his family mm-hmm. with the 49ers, there, there is a culture in that family, I think, that allows I think I think Sean's building a culture there. Now, okay. obviously, he's not having a real successful year this year, still doing OK. Sure. But I think there's a culture that he can still instill, even if even if he's not having a great season this year. Uh, well, because and, and ironically, his dad played defense for the uh, Indiana um, Hoosiers. Oh, was a damn. linebacker, I believe. Okay. So uh, Tim McVeigh, you have to you have to look it up. But Tim McVeigh, it's it's uh, yes, he he has that defensive mind, and he was a fantastic general manager of a TV station. He, I mean, it 
to talk about culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's fantastic. Awesome. Okay. So that's that, that's how I'll weigh in on that. That's what's in, I appreciate that. So now let me tell you the funny story that will not be on the newscast today, and then I'll tell you some stories that will be on the newscast, and then I'll get out of here. But fantastic. the funny story about why I was listening to you in my car is because I had to drive halfway home and meet my lovely wife, who was bringing me a new suit. I was shooting up you'll see if you if, if you're at home you're you're if you're in your car you probably didn't see the promo promotions that'll be running this afternoon teasing ahead to the five o'clock newscast where i was wearing a black suit i'm now wearing a gray suit looking good because when we were shooting said promo i i put the scripts down on the floor while i'm doing my lines and then uh at the end of it i you know, bend over to pick up the scripts and hand them back to the the folks shooting the promo well i bent over and i heard the <laughs> And it was enormous. It wasn't like a little tiny hole, like where I could maybe cover it up with my my oh, jacket. Oh, game over! It man. was. I got a picture of it. I'll show it to you. Hey, why is trying a picture, Brent? Are you still getting those first team reps, by the way? Because uh, I mean, these, these are rookie this, mistakes. Way, this, this, <laughs> this, not only that, my suit is fine, and I've got like nine of them. These yeah, these I know. I was actually going to borrow them. Right? Why did you well, just borrow I, was, one, I thought about it, but I had enough time. It worked out. Closet here. I know. I know. And and you know what? After this, I'm going to bring more of my closet here as well because <laughs> I was mortified. I'm talking. I I I had a hard time walking into the newsroom after that because I I mean it was. It was, it wasn't a se- along the seam. Look, this this was an older suit, and so it had been rubbed on the rear end because I sit a lot in my sure. job. So the fabric had been weakened. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, it, it shredded down. I mean, from from my rear end down halfway down my thigh. It you know, was my first enormous. My first thought would be. It's like, oh man, I hope I don't have those heart shaped underwear yeah. on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, my Absolutely first thought was, thank goodness I was wearing underwear. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Hey, hey, hey. No, but it was it was mortifying. So that is why um I had to parade through the newsroom to get to my truck oh, and then drive shame, down. Man. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. Oof. It was horrible. Burris tried to get pictures of it. I don't think he did, so thankfully <laughs> the wife um, saved you. She did. She saved me. So God bless her. I want to give you right an update, on. by the way. I haven't reached out to Ben Wendell at Bartram Trail, but I did reach out to Luke Maribel at Creekside today yes. to ask him if he's all for this Creekside okay. versus yeah. Bartram Cup. Yeah. So, uh, the Bacchano yeah, Cup? We're working on it. Is that all what right. it's called? It's, it's happening. Is that the title, the, the Bacchano Cup? I've still got some massaging to do. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, you, you might want to dig into those fibers a little more and massage real deep because the Bacchano Cup doesn't really roll off the tongue. Bacchano Cup sounds a little bit like a rip in the pants. <laughs> I can tell you Bartram Trail girls won again last night. Nice. However, their uh, shutout streak was ended. They allowed a goal for the first time this season. Wow, who'd they beat? Got to change that culture. Don, play nice. some defense. Let's go. Nice. Beat Nice. Four, four to one, I believe, was the final. And, of course, we ran a story last night on Alex Horton. Um, How's she doing? She's doing much better. But she's got yeah, a long lady run. on soccer team that got yeah. uh, in a car accident. But, but yeah, you had actually hinted at that story a few uh, like a month back. She was driving at a she tournament was, she in was, South Carolina? She was up in Charleston Tennessee? for a wedding with her okay. two sisters in the car. She was driving a piece of concrete the size of a football, crashed through the windshield, and, and hit her in the head. Wow. Um, her her family is obviously like off like an underpass or something. I mean, is that all I, we know? I, 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 I don't, nobody knows for sure if it came off. I don't know if it came off a truck or off of an overpass. Overpass? Did I say underpass? No, you I mean it's an overpass. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, nobody knows. Exa- I don't. I don't know exactly where it came from. But it was. I mean, it, it could have been catastrophic. It was bad, but yeah. it could have been even worse because thankfully she doesn't have any brain injury. Yeah. I mean, well, she's got a lot of surgeries and a lot of recovery to do oof. and she's got a strong family and a huge support group and they're now raising money. Um, hashtag Alex Strong and play for Alex. And the, the, you know, this, this team has got nine seniors on it. 
And so they have rallied around her, and it's it's remarkable. Uh, it's it's really cool to see, actually. That's cool to see. That is yeah. a frightening thing, man. I mean, yeah. you talk about split-second, bam, imagine driving and then seeing well, that. And to have your just, I you mean, your world is turned upside down for, for the next foreseeable future absolutely yeah. what's so, got coming up tonight well we've got a bunch of stuff going on uh number one um we've got a a, a crazy chase that happened in uh bartram park yeah i was seeing the see that yeah troopers were chasing this guy that it was a warrant i think and they tried to serve him a warrant and he took off in a pickup truck and you know sped through this neighborhood we got some pretty good video of uh one of the you know neighbors was like what is this going on yeah. we got some pretty good video there. i travel that way sometimes i had to check the emails to make sure it wasn't me yeah i was gonna say <laughs> Brad, pickup truck, how many warrants uh, you got uh, yeah, <laughs> what kind of papers getting served, man? Man, uh, then we got a, we had just had another another shooting in the city. Uh, this time in Arlington, close to a couple of other shootings, and uh, they're looking for somebody in a Honda. Um, somebody was killed, uh, and then and then another uh, another awful story was uh, a, a young man found in this SUV in the water. Yeah, I saw, see that I saw over in the yeah. coastal area, um, mm-hmm. and just crazy. So we're still Teenager, trying to get to the bottom of that, possibly. We don't know for yeah. sure. So anyway, right. lots of stuff going on, obviously, uh, a lot of breaking stuff, so we'll be busy. And I will have a new gray suit, not a black suit, on uh, because I have changed my suit. Very good. Uh, one um, behind the scenes in TV. Behind longest the scenes? Sorry, what? Yeah. yeah. Be- longest you've ever worn a suit in consecutive days on the air. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you mean like because I just didn't feel like changing the suit? Yeah. Or, or because or just, I was on a story for that long? What do you mean by I that? Just, like. Like well, just like, because I was like, I might once in a while I'll I'll go on this stretch where like I feel like I've worn the suit three days in a row and I probably yeah. have but I changed oh, the tie up or the shirt. That's no, no, I wrote to, I, I try to not to. I but try you not. See, to. you don't keep your stuff here. Yeah, see, I do. So like uh, I'll yeah. put it in the office. I'll be like, eh, what the hell? I'll I mean, wear this one again today. <laughs> just change from a blue tie. I've told the story before, man. My rookie year, I only had one suit. Just change the tie. Yeah. Well, you can get away with that. I I typically don't wear the same suit twice in the week. Yeah. If I do, it's because I forgot. I have a handful. Of, I mean, I got a rotation. I got a rotation yeah. going. That's pretty good. Now I, I try to make it random, so I'm not okay. always wearing the same suit on Monday. A little behind the scenes. See, yeah, I like that. I appreciate uh, it. But he yeah. comes. See, he comes in looking like anchor man. Well, yeah. I come in there well, looking he's, like he's, I, he's an anchor man. I, I, I come I, in I, looking like the gym hey, teacher. Just, <laughs> just remember if who's getting the just remember who's getting the first team reps, Brent. <laughs> well, stop making oh. all those mistakes of tearing your pants, and maybe uh, Brent will begin those rookie <laughs> reps anymore. Oh. All right, John Bachman, right, Tanika Hughes, Thank Mike Burrish tonight. CBS 47, Fox 30 from five until seven. We're gonna take a timeout. We're throwing axes after this. Can't wait. Axes. Axes. Yep. Wow. Look out, duck. Yep. Everybody. Oh, I, I got questions, but next on ESPN 690. Um, I, I was excited, obviously. Um, I was hurting for Nick. You know, we're, um, you know, I know every, like, group of, you know, QB says they're tied or whatever, but, I mean, it's it's true with us, man. We care about each other. I mean, I know every every drop he's out there, I was praying, hoping he'd go score. Um, saw that booing stop. Um, and I know he's doing the same for me. He wants nothing but the best for me. And that's that's all we want is we want to win games and um, whatever we got to do to do that. I want the quarterback room that you could make like a reality show out of, though. Like they just hate each other. Like I want that. I want to see that. <laughs> little little drama, little controversy. Yeah. Uh, there has to be. The, have you ever heard of them? Like, do you ever hear stories coming out of your quarterback's room you played for? You don't have to be yeah. super specific, but does. Man, no. Like, and even I don't even hear reports of that. Like I don't remember a quarterback room that I would hear a report of. Man, these guys real like Johnny Manziel. The people just hate him. Mm. Whoever was with him at the time. Like I have no idea. Yeah. But, 
even Jay Cutler wasn't like that, you know. Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, a lot of the, the Cutler stuff, the outside world. Like I said, a lot of the Cutler like stuff outside. I've talked to players inside that say that stuff was not true, overblown. Yeah, yeah. Now, maybe different players have different stories, but sure. across the board, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily true. So, yeah, Cutler is a good example of that, though. Yes, that would have been yeah. one that that would have uh, that could have been interesting. Absolutely. So. Um, I mean, I'm glad it's not like that around here. I'm just saying it would be a great reality show, like if they all hated each other. Well, no, for sure. But <laughs> at the same time, man, and listen, maybe I'm a little biased, but if you want reality television, the defensive line room That's, is the place well, to be, man. Always, you can't, the defensive well, line you have room. 10 guys in there? So it's one of the most crowded rooms. Correct. And on top of that, you usually have people from all different walks of life. <laughs> yes. I, I've, I've shared the story. We've talked about this yeah. before. I mean, it's like when you had from – I. I I don't even remember if they were all together at the same time, but I'm just thinking out loud, like the Chris Clemens of the world yeah. to the Audricks of the world yeah. to, uh, you know, name your guy. Oh, you even just, me, like, like, man, we had Mincy, we had Pot Roast, we had Aaron Campman. Uh, do, yeah. you, do you remember John Chick? Yeah. Who's like the most religious dude ever? We <laughs> had John good, Chick. That's a great plus, example plus of Plus his heart, man. Like, yeah. it was just, oh. Chick's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, Chick's still in town. He is still in town. He's coaching at, uh, I think he was coaching at, is he coaching at Creekside or Bartram Trail? Pretty sure it might have been coaching at. Yeah. Creekside. Yeah. Eh, it was Parker Trail. I don't know what's one of them. But, uh, but anyway. Nicest family ever, man. Like, Great all, guy. All, all his kids will call me Mr. Austin. I'm like, you don't got to call me that, man. Like, it's okay. <laughs> Just call me Austin. But like, they're <laughs> super well-behaved, obviously. Really cool. That's Hopefully that's not the only measurement of good guy because my kids say, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yo, same, thing with, same thing with Ronan, man. I mean, that's, that's what I'm preaching. So I don't know. Actually, my kids don't even say anything. All right. Hey, <laughs> we got to get to Paul Searcy. Let's get uh, to him. Paul, sorry to keep you waiting, man, but it's about time to throw some axes. We want to learn a little bit about, uh, well, the World Championships and axe throwing coming up this weekend. You guys are heading out to Arizona. How you doing? Yes, sir. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, we're out. Uh, there's going to be actually six of us from Jacksonville that's uh, going out to the tournament this weekend, uh, the World Axe Throwing League World Championships in Tucson, Arizona. That's pretty cool. I've got to be honest with you. How many people that you talk to even know that that exists? <laughs> Not very many. Not very many at all. It's a brand new sport. Yeah. How how new is it? Um. Actually, uh, it's technically it was founded in 2011 by a Toronto bartender, um, and then it kind of just grew into a big thing. Uh, the last uh, few years, it's been really big. ESPN started picking it up last year. Uh, they had uh, a few tournaments. And then the World uh, Championships um, featured, uh, I think, on ESPN2. This year it's going to be ESPN3. The finals uh, will be played live uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's uh, December 8th. Actually, yeah. it's on ESPN2. Yeah, the, the I've watched it. According to the press release that I have. Uh, Paul Cerci, General Manager of Class Axe Throwing here in Jacksonville. And you guys do that at the Autobahn. So I think folks around town have been out there and they've seen it and, and done it. I have not. Uh, Austin has not here on the show, although I think but you might Lord want to recruit. I want to, man. Might want to recruit Austin. I, I, I want to do it. Now, yeah, let me it's ask a lot you, of fun. Paul, let me ask you this though: If you looked at Austin and I, you would stereotype and say, "Hey, I want Austin to be well, on my team beard, Brent. for a, for well, he's an <laughs> MMA fighter. He's a former Jags player. Yeah, uh, I'm like some sports broadcasting guy. <laughs> so you would say, okay, I want Austin on my team. Like if we were picking teams for axe throwing, <laughs> but does it does it translate like that? Like does do you have to be this big tough guy to do well at this sport? Or could I sneak in with a little technique and surprise everyone? 
Oh, no, anybody can sneak in, little technique. All it really takes is a little practice, just like anything. The funny thing is, is a lot of people that I coach here at Class Axe, uh, a lot of the big, burly guys, they come in and think they're just going to hook it down the lane and just do awesome. But actually, this is one of the most co-ed sports I've ever seen. A lot of the ladies are doing very well. There's a huge amount of female contenders this year. Uh, in the world championships so it's a sport for everybody uh, we have ages you can come as young as 12 years old to throw uh, so it's really a sport for anybody Paul, when we're talking about like you know turning professional and competing in the, the world championships, I mean, like you said, this is a, a very a fairly new sport. So like guys didn't grow up as kids, you know, probably throwing axes. Like, can you kind of tell being a coach right away, like if if a guy's got it to be a champion, or does it kind of take some time to kind of see where they're at? Oh, yeah, it does take a little time. Uh, you know, I think more of it is mindset than anything else. That's what I've learned uh, because, you know, you can be very coachable and all that stuff, and really all it depends on is just you and your mindset because I had my first tournament last week, and, uh, you know, I was a little nervous, but really you're not competing against the next person next to you. You're competing against just you keeping that mindset straight, learning how to throw straight, and just not let your ego, you know, get the best of you. Paul Searcy, general manager, Class Axe Throwing, a part of the Autobahn setup here in Jacksonville, and is going to the World Championships coming up in Tucson, Arizona this weekend. So we said, what the heck? Let's learn a little bit more about this. Oh, and i got to be honest, not many times in our industry we say, I don't know anything about it. I really don't know a lot about it. How much is this like, is it like darts? Uh, is it? Is it? Is it like... I want to say cornhole for a lack of a better, like some well, of those kind of sports. Yeah, like two circles, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like darts. A lot of the games that we go through with customers here, it's very much uh, similar to that. It's just, you know, instead of using a tiny dart, you using a big axe, a big hatchet. We don't use the real big axes, uh, just, you know, hatchets, hatch size, but... Um, but, yeah, just to clarify, also, class axe throwing and Audubon axe throwing were two separate uh, facilities as well, but we both, you know, have three leagues in uh, both uh, places are sending, uh, you know, the Jacksonville champions to. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a that's a good clarification. I read it differently. Yeah. So where are you guys located, and in, in, in where do you uh, run out of? Yeah, so Class Axe Throwing, we're at 9230 Arlington Expressway. We're right across the street from uh, Regis Mall and the Longhorns Rooms to Go Plaza. Okay. Actually, uh, we're connected to the 13th floor haunted house. Okay. All nice. right. Good deal. So, uh, so there are a couple spots in town to do it. You guys obviously work yeah. out of out of that one near Regency. Okay, great. Thanks for uh, clarifying that part of it. Um, we've seen videos now of like I think there was that that video of the woman that went like viral yeah. where yeah. she threw the axe yeah. and it kind of bounced back. back was a that bit. real? Does that happen? Yeah, unfortunately, that was a real incident. Uh, but you know, the good thing is is that we've not had any major incidents. Um, Axes hitting people in the head or anything like that in our industry. Um, mostly just kind of splinters. A lot of this stuff after that video went viral, uh, we did change up some of our, you know, technique. We cut the extra rubber off the bottom of some of our handles. We put rubber molds down at the base of our targets. So took a few extra steps to be more safe. But also we're very guided what we do here. You're not left alone to your own accord. We show you, we coach you, we, you know, make sure you're having a good time. Paul, when we're talking about competing at like the national level, you know, for for the world championships, two questions. One, 
how is the crowd? Like, are they kind of calm and reserved because it's like a golfing event? Because I feel like axe throwing, man, it's got to be loud, crazy people drinking beer. I need like Metallica shouting. or something. And two, I mean, since it's this axe throwing and there's got to be some gamesmanship, I mean, do the players sometimes talk smack or are they try and be respectful when the player's trying to throw? Yeah, actually, it's uh, a really great community. Uh, we're sitting here, you know, you could be on the lane next to somebody and they'll throw a better shot than you. You're congratulating them. Uh, you know, so that's really kind of indicative how the whole axe community, axe throwing community is. We don't really do a whole lot of heckling. It does get exciting, you know, when you're down there, you know, hitting bullseyes and stuff like that. But at the real top level, we're just kind of waiting to, like, who messes up first. Because, uh, you know, we're, most of those guys are, you know, real polished throwers. So, yeah, it just, you know, that's uh, that's pretty interesting, and I guess if you think about it, Austin's kind of shaking his head. He's like, I want more trash talk oh, and I'm that kind of thing. Hey, if I yeah. axe, I'm going to be the bad boy axe throwing, man. Well, no kidding, but how much do you want trash talking when people have axes in their hands? That's a good point. It's a good point, but I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be wearing some Ray-Bans. I'm going to be wearing a, a black leather jacket, and I'm going to be the bad boy of axe throwing. Is there, you know, there was Pete Weber, I think it was his name, of right? Course. The bowler, yeah, the bowler. right? <laughs> yeah. And so... It, is there any? Is there anybody like that? I mean, do we have some style or something in the axe world? <laughs> oh yeah, there is a lot of characters. Yeah, there are a lot of characters. It's pretty funny. Um, Paul, as far as because obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this one of these days and learn how to throw an axe and then. With my obsessive personality, I probably try to be the best. Uh, so, so if you give me advice, my first time throwing, because I see when I watch it on TV, some guys go one hand and then some guys go two hands over the head. What would you prefer when you're first starting out? Uh, here we teach everybody two hands over the head to start off with. Uh, get comfortable with that. It's kind of like riding a bike. Uh, kind of get that consistency. Get sticking to the board, and then we also show people how to throw one-handed. Some people are better at throwing one hand. It just kind of depends on your physics. Um, but, you know, we do teach both and kind of let you figure out what you're more comfortable with. The majority of uh, higher-end players ended up, you know, going to like a one-hand throw. If I – oh, like I'm cringing over here a little bit thinking of that overhead throw. And, and, and your first bit of advice has to be don't hold on to the axe too long. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, all right. So if we come over there, will we pick this up? I mean, do people pick it up relatively quick? I mean, is it something that you do get addicted to kind of? and Or, or what's like the reaction yeah. of first timers? Yeah, it's very exciting. A lot of people don't really know what to expect, you know, after their first couple of throws but then you really get that excitement, that feel because it's, you know, it's a lot more exciting than darts. Uh, you know, and then here we have cowbells, so every time somebody hits a bullseye, we're ringing a cowbell, we're getting excited, you know. But generally speaking, you're going to start landing an axe in the first five minutes of coaching, and then it's just really kind of built up that consistency, finding your release point, you know, and just following the instructions and keep throwing. Paul, one last question before we, we uh, yeah. leave here. Uh, so I was reading you guys do trick shot demonstrations. What does that yes. entail? Oh, you know, there's variations of uh, throws. Yeah, instead of just doing the regular old boring overhand throw, you can throw an underhand. Uh, you can throw two axes in the same hand. Um, there's blade backwards throws. Uh, yeah, I've got a little bit of a mix on my social media of a few uh, trick shots that I've completed. I have one that's called a hat trick where you uh, throw it underhand, and it, as the axe lands into the board, you're throwing a hat uh, with your left hand at the same time. So then the hat will ring on the end of the handle, uh, 
You can see that one on my Facebook page and my TikTok. All right. Uh, and uh, you're at Paul Searcy on uh, Twitter, C-E-R-C-Y. Uh, how, how can they see that on Facebook? Is it Paul Searcy? Yes, Paul Searcy everywhere on all platforms. All right, awesome. man. Uh, that's awesome. But oh, you just said it. Like, uh, But give me a, like, a cool lingo in, in the axe throwing <laughs> world. things we can build on um you know i think we, we operated with some good tempo at times really pushing and attacking the defense and i think that was uh very exciting <laughs> that was thrilling you yeah. know what gardner starts a soundbite with <sighs> <laughs> that it's going to be really revealing yeah. oh man i think i i think gardner Minshew, by the way was really um like genuinely not happy about the booze last week. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. Players won't be that. I'm just saying, you, I think he's still kind of wearing that a little bit. Like all the discussion, uh, maybe all the foals talk. All, yeah. yeah. I mean, defend I mean, teammates, your buddies, your those kind of things. I mean, I can see it. I, I have no problem with him defending his teammates. You're never going sure. to win that case, by the way. Like calling out the fans, going at the fans. Saying, boo. I mean, it's that kind of a it, – it sucks. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I would hate to be booed, but it's part of it, you know. It's it's definitely a brotherhood, Brent, you know, and even though, like, he kind of took his job, like, but there's still a mutual respect, I feel like. But at the end of the day, this is what you sign up for, man. You know, like, welcome to the NFL. And I get it. I mean, he's new to this whole thing, and I'm sure it's a little different than being in college, but this is the way of life in the NFL. If you don't do good, doesn't matter what position you play, you're going to get booed. Yeah, I guess it kind of – it probably even rings a little bit true if you think about it. I don't know if Gardner takes the time to think about it right now. It's like, dang, two and a half games? Yeah. That's it? Mm-hmm. I better play well. Sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but listen, but, but I know you know, and I think he knows that he has a little more of a longer lease just because of he is a first-year guy. Yeah. He's a rookie quarterback, so he has that luxury. Well, Ryan O'Halloran, as we welcome him in on uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, Brent Martin Austin Lane here on a Wednesday. We talk about the NFL. Ryan from the Denver Post uh, covers the Broncos, used to cover the Jags, of course. And Austin just mentioned longer leash, Ryan. I would almost think the $88 million guy would have the longer <laughs> leash. And it didn't happen around here. How surprised were you with what has unfolded in the last couple of days here? Yeah, I think so. Good joining you guys. Uh, by the way, weather report, Austin. Uh, most of the foot of snow from last week is gone. Uh, <laughs> so back up to the 50s. Uh, but right. it was uh, a crisp uh, 20, 20 degrees or so uh, at the end of the game on Sunday. Okay, digressing. <laughs> um I mean, I think Doug Marone at this point is 
desperate times call for desperate measures. I agreed with the move back to Foles after the bye because of how Minshew struggled in that London game. We talked about that a lot. Now, to go back to Minshew, the offensive coaches had to have seen some things on tape. Okay, what is Foles missing? Why why isn't the presence there that maybe they thought it was going to be there after the injury? Uh, I agree with the move. And, uh, you know, I, w- I would start developing an exit strategy for Nick Foles if somebody will take that contract and the Jaguars are fine absorbing that cap hit. Ryan, when we're talking about Minshew being the starter now and Foles being the backup, and let's assume real quick that there's not really a suitor to trade for this up-and-coming next season here. So let's assume that Foles and Minshew maybe are still on the same team. And that's kind of what Brent's leaning towards where it makes more sense cash-wise to keep him as opposed to cut him. And you want to think if a new regime's coming in, they're going to go with Minshew because he's the younger guy. You can kind of mold him into their image. But from that perspective, in, in your mind and in your frame of reference, can you picture Gardner Minshew being the starting quarterback and Nick Foles being the backup and them coexisting in, in a team? Because I can't do it. Yeah, where I have problems is seeing it work. Uh, not so much personality-wise, because you got to feel like both these guys are pros and Nick Foles won't be happy about it, but you have to you have to accept that. It's all up to it's it's going to all be all who's running the front office January one, mm. who's going to be the coach January fifteenth or whatever. I mean, if if ownership tells these coaching candidates, hey, it makes fiscal sense for our cap to keep Nick Foles for one more year, then as the head coach candidate, you say, okay, it's one of thirty two jobs. I'll, I'll absorb that for a year. I'll have a quarterback competition in camp best man wins the other guy's going to be the backup and chances are he's going to play at some point yeah i think it'll be real interesting to see what people think about it not only what they think about nick Foles, but you know if if there are new people here which we anticipate uh but what they think about gardner Minshew too uh and i think people have varying opinions uh on that uh from the fans to the front offices and and i think it's pretty clear right now even in the jacks front office they feel like Foles is the guy moving forward i mean i think the way uh, they have reacted, talked, what they wanted to go through. I mean, I, I don't think if Tom Coughlin's here in 2020, uh, I don't think he's necessarily moved on from Nick Foles. So it'll be interesting to see how other people uh, perceive that. Earlier in the day uh, in the show, we were talking about coaches like Ron Rivera sparked the conversation. Ryan, uh, first of all, were you surprised at all with the Rivera firing and how good of a coach do you think he is? I'm not surprised. Um, you know, at this time of year, when 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 a team is skidding and it, and it becomes apparent that there's going to be a change at the end of the year, you expect ownership to just you know cut the cord right now. Um, you know, I saw some media people say, "Well, he deserved better." Deserving ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in this league. No. Yeah, exactly. Player, coach, whoever, front office. Um, I didn't. I didn't really buy David Tepper saying, "Well, we want to start canvassing the league," and didn't want to do it behind Ron Rivera's back. Well, this is the big leagues owner. Uh, you can do it. Nobody really cares. But um, he'll have no problem finding a job if he wants to coach next year. I think he did a nice job managing Cam Newton and getting the best out of him. He got him to an MVP level. Uh, what's going to fascinate me about Ron Rivera is what's his staff going to be look, looking like. He caught some criticism over the years for his coordinator choices. He stuck too long with one. He took over the defensive play calling from another last year. So um, I think Dallas would be a fit for him. If you want to say Chris Richard is going to remain your coordinator, um, you know, the Giants, I think, are going to be open. Washington's already open. So I think he, he, him, he goes to the top of the list, I think, even above Mike McCarthy.
Yeah, interesting. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of respect for it. I don't know, like from a Jacksonville standpoint, I don't know if I'm going to get all fired up if if Ron Rivera uh, ends up coming to a vacant job here in Jacksonville. I yeah. I, I don't. Uh, maybe the fans do. I do. I, a I just bit. <laughs> he's a one out of every three year guy is what his yeah. record shows and. I mean, Doug Marone's a one out of every three year guy too. I mean, so I mean, at this stage of it, where it's going to be, where the first thing the Jaguars got to decide after who's running the search is: do you want a first timer? Do you want an experienced guy? Yeah. The Doug Marone experienced guy route worked for that first year, but the last two years it didn't really matter. Uh, do you want the offensive analytic first time guy that hasn't really worked out around the league this year? Or do you go with a Rivera who will be the face of the organization, specifically if there is a new front office, and he can navigate some of these waters that are going to come with a rebuild? If I'm Ron Rivera, I look at the Jaguar job if there is upheaval in the front office because you see those draft picks, you got to say, okay, I know I developed talent. This job's appealing because of that. Yeah. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran with us from the Denver Post, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And that kind of feeds into what we were talking about. Austin, I thought, brought up a great point earlier in the show. If you take a look at coaches around the league, and while the McVeighs of the world and the young offensive mind, which is where I would probably go to and lean to, and I, I want some more excitement there and, and bring that guy in some new blood. But he brings up a fantastic point. If you look around and who's won and developed the culture in an organization who's lasted, it's often that defensive guy. Uh, Sean Payton's an exception. Mm-hmm. Jason Garrett's been an exception, but he hasn't really done very well. Yeah. From Belichick to Pete Carroll to Tomlin, uh, Tomlin to John Harbaugh's a special teams guy, but their identity has been defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivera, even to Bills, that degree, the, the Bills coach McDermott, McDermott right now. So I mean, he, he great examples of that. Uh, I didn't really think about it like that. I, is there something to it? And you have one in Vic Fangio as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean. You know, my only thing would maybe the defensive head coaches, like you mentioned, had a little bit more seasoning as coordinators and could observe longer and were ready to make that jump. Um, I mean, if it's between a Ron Rivera and a Kevin Stefanski, the Minnesota offensive coordinator, my lean would be more toward Rivera in terms of the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the key would be, okay, does he, is this, a, is this personnel better suited for a 3-4? I think it is with a couple tweaks. Uh, but then who is he bringing in as offense coordinator? I, I would doubt it's going to be Norm Turner, who was his guy in Carolina. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing to maybe dig into. Okay, why are these defensive head coaches who maybe had to wait longer for their chance having more success in that first or, first or second year? And, Ryan, I completely agree with you in terms of if he saw – because let's, let's be honest, he's a defensive-minded guy. I think if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars right now on, a, on, on the defense – you're intrigued. You're intrigued by Josh Allen, you know, playing at a very high level for his rookie year. You're intrigued by Yannick Ngakwe, hopefully getting a new deal. You're intrigued by some of those pieces on that defense. And I think the beauty with Ron Rivera, while he kind of gives this old school mentality away, if you watch what he did with Carolina this past season, he saw that he had a lot of pass rushers and he wanted to use them. He had the Bruce Irvin come over from, uh, I think, Oakland it was. So he implemented a 3-4 defense, you know. So this is a guy that is willing to adapt to the team that he has. And I think he can do that in Jacksonville. Well, and I think for, for, you know, let's just assume the Jaguars are going to have an opening. These, these candidates should have a lot of questions for them. And basically, okay, what's Miles Jack's health long term? Um, what's your plan on Ngakwe? Is Taven Bryant have a shot? What's your plan with Calais Campbell? What are you going to do with Boye? What are you going to do with the young safeties? And then you flip it over to the other side. You got Linder and Norwell earning huge amounts of money for minimal performance. So, um, 
you know, it, it, I think on the one hand, the Jaguar job is somewhat attractive because they can clear a lot of cap space and they have a lot of draft capital to deal with. And I think ownership is a plus. But on the other hand, there's a lot of uncertainty with the, uh, with this organization right now. Ryan O'Hallen from the Denver Post joined us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Ryan, it's 96 hours later, and I'm still not over that call in your game, Denver and, and the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, I, I well, first of all, because I'm in a pool and it cost me a game. But uh, <laughs> that's really the only reason. But I can't believe they called that play. Like, I can't believe that they called that a penalty. Well, and I'm sure the, I'm sure the official there on the side said, I can't believe I have to throw this flag, but I have to. <laughs> and Casey Hayward is a, is, a, is a very good corner in this league. you got to have better awareness. You know what they're trying to do. They're just trying to throw it up and say, interfere with my man. Well, he lost track of the ball. He lost track of Cortland Sutton. And he lost track of where he was on the field. All of a sudden, it's a 38-yard pass interference penalty. The Broncos kick a field goal at the end. So, uh, I mean, I think it's it, it, by the letter of the law, it was the correct call. And if I would have seen this another game, I would have said, okay, that, that's an easy one as well because the player made it easy for the official. We were talking about the Chargers and Broncos here, Ryan. We both lost money. I had the Chargers defense in all my fantasy lineups, and obviously that uh, came back to bite me where it counts. But in doing so, I got to watch that game. And two takeaways from it. Well, number one, what do you guys think of Drew Locke right now? I mean, I thought he made some really nice throws. And number two, Corlin Sutton, is he like the next breakout wide receiver? Because he had a he had some great catches. Yeah, I mean, I thought Drew did a nice job. Uh, you know, and, and one thing I asked Big Fangio on Monday is is all the pre-snap stuff. There weren't formation, delay a game, you know, had to waste the timeout. None of those procedural problems mm-hmm. that you might have with a rookie. They took the, you know, they put the handcuffs on him in that second half, and he only, you know, gained 15 yards passing. With the Chargers now, I mean, and then finish up on Sutton, I think he's emerging. He could reach a thousand yards this week, and and really what what they should do is just feed him. Yeah, he's drawn he's drawn ten penalties in the last seven games. That's mm-hmm. those are free yards. That's why you keep throwing those deep passes to them. And the Chargers are interesting coming to Jacksonville. Feels like they play that play each other every year. It's good, it's going to be interesting for you guys to see Philip Rivers in person. He's had so much success against the Jaguars. He just does not look like the same guy that he has in previous years. And every pass was sort of forced. He's not even looking to leave the pocket even a little bit to extend the play. So. Um, I think I think for Josh Allen and Unique Ngakwe, this could be a big game for them. Ryan, when I'm looking at the Los Angeles Chargers right now, and I kind of see like where it went wrong, you could argue that they started to decline a little bit when Melvin Gordon came back on the team. Like, do you think there's a correlation there? Because when they're just throwing to Austin Eckler and they had him in the backfield, they seem to be surging, and now all of a sudden the Chargers, you know, are are a disappointing four and eight ball club. Yeah, I mean, they're my Super Bowl pick, which shows you, A, what I know, and B, why I don't bet on this game. Um, <laughs> because I thought they were locked and loaded, even with the Gordon holdout. And some of the time I would agree with you, Austin, on that. Uh, when Gordon came back, his first game, he didn't play. Yeah. His second game, he was weaned into, weaned into the uh, offense. And what you'll see on Sunday, if they have a similar type game plan against the Jaguars, is him and Eckler on the field at the same time. Eckler right now is by far the more dangerous player. Because as a receiver, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want a linebacker lined up against him out wide, which is the Broncos tried, tried to get away with. So, you know, I think the Chargers problem, last year they won all the close games. Mm-hmm. This year they've lost all the close games. And I think, you know, look at their last three weeks, three, seven, two, during their three-game losing streak. So they're just good enough to be competitive. They're just bad enough to do stupid stuff like the end-of-game interference penalty to, 
to lose these games in a league where the, the margin is razor thin. So, I mean, I wouldn't pick I wouldn't pick the Jaguars at this point against anybody, but uh, you know, this could be the one they can get. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Ryan O'Hallen from the Denver Post. Uh, there's some wacky stuff going on uh, in the NFL right now, and I'm going to ask you about two of them. In the AFC, are we seeing – there's a lot of talk this week. Are we seeing the, the beginning of the decline of the Patriots? Are they not for real, or is this kind of usual stuff? I, it's hard to say that about a 10-2 and two team, but the eye test has not been there all year. It's, I think, seven straight games for Brady now under a 100-passer rating. Um, yeah. So I'll ask you that first, and then I'll get to my second question. I mean, you never want to count the pats out, but this the eye test is the perfect term. This just looks more concerning. They have no weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really give Brady a lot of help. You know, it, in their mind, it just it, from afar it looks like in their mind they thought Gronk was going to come back. Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just hold down the fort at tight end until he does his partying and he'll come back to midseason. Everybody will be the same. You know, they struck out on Antonio Brown. Uh, Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick, a rookie in that offense is very difficult. What's ironic is that they're 10-2 and two because they're playing so lights out on defense with one or two exceptions. Uh, I still think this is a team that could win on the road in the playoffs because of the Belichick-Brady dynamic. But um, they got some they got some issues on offense in terms of they can't just outscore teams anymore. And, you know, they're probably going to get that second seed, which means they got to win a home game and a road game to, win, uh, to reach the Super Bowl. But... Um, you know, does Buffalo edge them out in week 17 or 16 and win that division? Now, that would be the real shocker. Yeah, that would be yeah. a stunner. And they believe they've been impressive. Uh, no doubt the Buffalo Bills have been impressive. All right, the other one is if you had a pillow fight in a division, I would have thought the AFC South would be potential for that to happen. Instead, it's happening in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. How stunning is it, in your opinion, of the, the Cowboys can't beat anybody that's any decent? And the Eagles, wow. I mean, I get it. They've been injured. But, man, they just went down to Miami in a must-win game and lost and blew a lead. What an ugly loss for Peterson and the Eagles. Yeah, it's a dreadful division. Um, you know, I covered I covered the NFCs for eight years in Washington, and we had a lot of years like this to say, okay, look at these four teams. Look at the money they sink into coaching staffs, infrastructure, free agents, and the way they draft, and they still all stink. And somebody's got to win the division going to be a winner-take-all, maybe a Week 16 game, Dallas and Philly. Philadelphia's got to be one of the more disappointing teams in the league. It's feel like they got old fast. Just like, um, you know, Carson Wentz declined rapidly. They can't stop anybody. Washington's rebuilding. The Giants stink. Uh, Dallas has a huge one tomorrow night. This is a game they, they have a better team than Chicago, but it's on the road. It could be cold, and the Cowboys really haven't shown any muster to beat anybody good this year, so I, I still think Dallas will survive, even if it's with an 8-8 eight and eight record and, and be a one-bid uh, division. Yeah, still got a month to go, so a lot of football still to be played in that division, but it's up for grabs in the NFC East. Ryan O'Halloran, enjoy the weather out there, man. Thanks for jumping in. All right, fellas. So see you next week. <laughs> All right. Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post. Before we get to a break, Coos, let's hit the happy hour horn if you have time for it. Look, he just, like, shifted around there. Like oh, he's yeah. playing a little disc jockey. Nice <laughs> shot. <laughs> Oh, 
the beautiful ladies marching in. There's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing happening. This is my favorite place. Nothing right will replace. No. Nothing. Anything goes. Any gangsters are rolling, half face smiling. It's over. Oh, Think of the rhythm while you're drinking. Anything goes. Grab a drink, get a shot, sip your star tenders. Make sure you do that with a little Vita de Louis as well. Recently a 98 rating and the new flavors a 94 rating. Reposado and Añejo. VitaDeLouis.com for your tequila and all the merchandise as well. Made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila. One of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. Get to VitaDeLouis.com. Be a perfect gift. Mm-hmm. Around the holidays, try some Vita de Louis once again in three different flavors. Kuz is flustered. I almost feel like he needs a little Vita today. Yeah, man. A little, little Vita, I mean, little axe throwing. I mean, he is like, Calm the mind. I mean, he is like right so flustered. Like, yeah. This is normal stuff. Like You've been on hold, right? You're having some, you're having some mechanical issues, yes. some engineering issues. Yes. This is like when your computer Photoshop doesn't issues. work. No, yeah. but, right? but here's the thing. They're sending me in circles, and that's the reason I'm frustrated. Is this because you can't talk to a human being anymore on the phone? Is that part well, of it? Well, no, the, it's Careful the human now, beings Cruz. at this point that are sending me in circles. Okay. Mm. Careful when we take this. But now. he's flustered. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's he's definitely stressed right now. Stressed to the to the maximum. And Very I, much. And so. I feel bad for you. Yeah. You know me. I'm pretty casual. <laughs> I just notice it. I mean, he's a little red in the face. Yeah. His cheeks are red. I mean, he's yeah. burning. He's mad. Like well, this is mad. Like I don't. Like on top of this, I'm I'm busting through commercials left and right. You so are. he has to just. Throw all sorts of things. Yeah, I did ask. I Nick's. think I've been pretty nice to you the whole day. So. South okay. Beach Gary is called like fifteen times. Yeah, that stresses him out too as well. Well, it's just uh, you know, I, I asked Nick if we could have like a punching bag in here or something. I can just. <laughs> I like that. You know Dude, what I mean? I, I, like that too. I, I, I have some boxing gloves in the car. I can bring them up here. You Dude, can... that's what I'm saying. I don't want to punch the expensive padding because we can't even hang things yeah, on hey, it. We can't but... even put a TV on it. So yeah, you don't well, want to punch we get the a nice padding. Punching bag in Heaven here. Forbid. Maybe with that big budget we'll buy a boxing thing for now we're punching talking. bag. I, I mean, I, I, a, I want it to have a about... face though. You know, it's like one of the human looking ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I what do you want? I, I don't care who. I just want it to look like he, he, he wants to put the, the Adobe people on that thing and he's going to punch it. It's just Adobe. We're going to take a time out. Kuz is going to try to get Relaxed. Yeah, it's take a little meditation break. Ooh, Sraba. <laughs> Relax, Kuz. Hey, I promise you it's going to be okay. Oh, yeah, I know. Eventually okay. we'll get You can teach him. Work on the breathing. There, there we go. That's, that's a good break segment here. What is it? Quick, quick, short breath? No, yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Hi, hyperventilate yourself. <laughs> Fight or flight, Kuz. Fight or flight. Maybe we have a brown paper bag around here. When <laughs> uh, we get back uh, a little... College football talk. You see the rankings. Do you agree with the rankings? What could happen? I want a mess. I need a mess. I could it happen on championship uh, dude, weekend? I, I want chaos too. I'm like the Joker. I want chaos. That's next on ESPN 690. When I kind of look at it, I, I look at it. If I come back, the risk is, you know, what if I get hurt again? But the reward could be, you know, maybe I jump back to the top of the charts, you know, on, on the boards, you know, for all these teams. Now you look at the other side of the spectrum. If I, oh, the risk is. Do I still go in the first round or, you know, do I even make it to the second round? And I mean, these guys don't even know, you know, if I can play with, you know, the hip injury. You know, I'd say the reward and all of that is, you know, yeah, I'll I'll be getting paid millions. But a lot of the money that I could have made, you can't make that money up now. I'll tell you right now, Brent, if you're scared of getting hurt, then just go to the pros and make your money. Because the last thing you want to do 
from a, from an athlete's standpoint is be afraid of getting hurt out there because you know what that's when you get hurt that's when you get hurt and you yeah. play slow and you can't you don't yeah it's just not good uh, listen uh that was Tua mm-hmm. and he was a sit down with Kirk Herbstreit I think yesterday how refreshing was that yeah. I mean, talk about a likable guy, and I get it. He has been, and, and some people. What, what I think is an interesting dynamic is people like to hate Alabama, mm-hmm. and I'm not sitting here raising the pom poms for Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kind of got tired of Alabama too. Yeah. But I think it's interesting when you hear that guy. I mean, that guy is tough not to root for. He is a really seems well, like a great young man, and he's being completely 100 percent candid. Well, you know, and how about the transparency? The that's the thing, yes. man. Yes. How about the transparency with Kirk Herbstreit there? And I guess that's how he always is. See, I, not round two, so I don't know, and I don't really listen to a lot of his news conferences. Mm-hmm. But they say that's how he is, and for him to lay it out there like everybody else is talking, mm-hmm. I thought was just so refreshing, man. Yeah. That was awesome. That was really good stuff. And I think he's absolutely on the money. He's mm-hmm. got a tough decision to make, and. I don't know which way I would go, and he, he was great because he said, uh, you know, when it's on my heart, like which way to go, I think I'll make that decision. And, and yeah. Kirk, uh, in typical reporter fashion, said, well, you can tell us right now. And, and, <laughs> and Tua even said in the, the spot I saw, Tua is like, well, hey, man, if if it ends up on my heart in the next 20 seconds, I'll tell you. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's and, pretty funny. And to me, this is one of the biggest misconceptions, I feel like, of a, of a Nick Saban football team, right? Because if I was going to compare Nick Saban to somebody, it would be the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, Absolutely. where they're almost like robots, right? Like, they yeah. always say the, the, the same things over and over again, and sometimes it trickles on to their players, especially in the NFL with the Patriots. But we have an interview here with Tua, who, who plays for Nick Saban, who plays for the Alabama football brand, and this guy's just being himself, you know? So sometimes I think we get lost in, you know, Alabama's this machine, and they keep on churning, keep on churning, but there's still personalities that revolve around that team. Yeah, and I wonder how much Saban's changed in that regard. I think you have to. You know, I, I think you have to adapt a little bit. I, I yeah. think you do, too. And I think that's kind of what we talk about a little bit down here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, can you run things like you can still run things and, and be disciplined and you're the boss and especially you can do it in college. Of course. But where's the leeway? You know, I would love to know and we'll find out someday in a book, in a documentary, but how much even Belichick changed from the first five or ten years with, with Brady to maybe the last ten. Sure. How much leeway, how much this, that, whatever. And now they probably think alike in terms of work ethic and all those things, but you get my point. Yeah. And I think that's what we're wondering around here. Marone tried to change when it comes to this football team because he kind of senses that things are changing with the NFL player. As Tom Coughlin adapted, mm-hmm. we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you get the friction potentially. You know, that's one of the friction spots, yeah. I think, in this organization right now is one guy that's trying to change to say, hey, the players are different now. We've got to embrace this. Mm-hmm. This might help us win. This, they might respond better. And other guys are like, yeah, but I've been doing it this way for a long time, and it's worked. I've won two Super Bowls. Correct. And I'm not saying which one's right, and now that they've lost four in a row, well, Doug's way might be wrong. Yeah. But – I can tell that's where the friction goes. So I do give credit to guys like Saban who maybe have changed a little bit yeah. and said, you know what, you got to let players like this go. You got to give them some rope. You, uh, and I, I just, you don't know how much they've done that unless you've been really tied into the team, the program, the every yeah. day. But but it is a good point with Belichick too because yeah, we, all we can see is the guy that we get in the, in the interviews and stuff. You know, the short one-word answers. But at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that had to deal with Rob Gronkowski. 
Right, who Rob Gronkowski is one of the most Good crazy point. characters. And listen, and I've, I've spent some time with Rob Gronkowski and his brothers in Bourbon Street, so I know just how out there and crazy they are. And the fact that you know Belichick could harness, I guess, Gronkowski, and you never heard any kind of problems whatsoever about them with Gronkowski. So I guess that is a testament to Brent where, yeah, Belichick's got his way, but maybe he does a little more adapting than we give him credit for. That's a really good point with yeah. Gronkowski. Why haven't we heard more Bourbon Street Bourbon Street stories with Gronkowski? Like, when it, are those it, coming out? I, I, I wish I remembered them. Maybe. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave it. But a little spoiler, but my shirt was on the entire time. I can't say the same for some of the Gronkowski brothers. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I bet this, what should Tua do? Well, I think, see, he just answered it to me. If he's worried about getting hurt, then, man, go make your money. Go make your millions in the NFL. Because the last thing you want to do is go into the Alabama season. And I get it. I think he wants to prove something still, right? Like, this was a disappointing season. I mean, obviously, he got hurt. But Alabama's not going to be in the college football playoff. So I think he's got a little unfinished business. But I think from his perspective, dude, if you're being truthful, you're being transparent, and you're afraid, then go to the NFL and make your money. My guess is there's a loyalty about a guy like Tua as well. Yeah. You know? Some people have that kind of just born and bred in them. Some people say, hey, I, I, I am a loyal guy, but there's a business sense to this. And so I think that's the tug of war. I think the no doubt or the no brainer, the right decision here is probably to go pro. Mm-hmm. Get your money. You've been injured now a couple of times. This is a major injury at this point. And if you got a chance to even slip to the second round and make money or late first round, where I think he probably will slip to yeah. uh, late first round, maybe early second, then I would go make my money too. Yeah. But I think that pull is loyalty. Like, man, I, I love you, Alabama fans. I, I love you, my teammates. I love Nick Saban. I, I owe you. Mm-hmm. I owe you. So I feel like I owe something. That's a burden of mine that I owe more than what I got to give you this year because of these injuries. So well, that's and, my sense of it. No, for sure. The kid, you know? But also keep in mind, too, and like I'm sure they're close, but his brother plays for Alabama as well. So one would think where he, if he's going to leave, maybe usher his brother to come through. I, I get a Jones plan. I mean, he's looking pretty good, but obviously I think his brother is intriguing as well. So maybe give some time for his brother to come up. Yeah, true. Okay. Uh, the other part of this is college football playoff, the rankings. Uh, one, two, three, four, never change. Yeah. Uh, Utah's five. They got Oklahoma and Baylor six and seven. Uh, quick thought about the others, because mm-hmm. really it's about those seven teams now yeah. that have a chance to get in, and that's it. Yeah. But the others, Florida, uh, the big win, I think, to get up to where they are, because now New Year's six day bowl game really comes into play i also don't sleep on the fact that they're ranked ahead of alabama and what that means kind of from a subtle standpoint yep. that's a nice intangible to have going to people's homes say look we caught alabama we're ahead of alabama in the rankings that's uh, alabama fans roll their eyes at that i get it and you probably should but for florida where they've come from this decade to mm-hmm. now where they are right now that's a big big deal i also think this continues to show the last two weeks of the committee baylor making the big jump after being down at number 12. And now all of a sudden, Alabama dropping back to number 12. They lost by three points to a top 15 team on the road in a rivalry game. And they fell from, where were they, number five or, or six or something? No, they weren't five or six. Um, uh, they, they, they were five, I think. They were five. Yeah, because okay. Clemson was four. And then, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Five all the way to 12, yeah. really. Uh, and by the way, I'm a guy that probably doesn't think they should be at 12. But I sure as heck don't think they should be in the top eight. Yeah. Because they haven't beaten any. All we continue to talk about is losses, losses, losses. Mm. How about who you've beaten? And yeah. in Alabama, yeah, they've had some good losses. They've lost some tough ball games against their excusable losses. But they also have nothing to back it up on the resume. And what you're going to bring up is Clemson. Clemson has no good wins either. I get it. But they also have something that's very important. 
They're one of three teams that have a goose egg in their record. Yeah, and, and that, that should count for something. And, and that counts for more. I know the resume is not there. I get it. They but don't have not top 25 wins. Syracuse wasn't good this year. It's not their fault that the, the entire ACC wasn't good this I, year. I think when you have these kind of conversations, I could compare Alabama and Clemson in terms of who they haven't beaten. I get it. But when you have zero losses, and sometimes that's just the, the nature of the conference. Yeah. Uh, that I, I'm just going with the zero losses. If you have zero losses in a power five, you should be ranked in that top four. If you're The three teams that are ranked top three should be top three. Yeah. They have zero losses. They're the only ones. And so I think that excludes Clemson from the conversation, even if the eye test says, okay, what have you really done? Mm-hmm. Therefore, I don't think it's comparable to Alabama. Alabama's got two losses now under their name. So the biggest thing I'm taking away from it here, Brent, is obviously you got Utah at number five, Oklahoma at number six, and Baylor at number seven. And to me, it bugs me because I feel like if whoever wins the Oklahoma Baylor is going to jump over Utah, assuming that they win. I feel like but they're setting it up for that. Yeah, but, but I don't my, know if I agree with that. Well, and neither do I, because here's the thing: let's say Utah comes out and absolutely trounces Oregon. All right. Well, this is the same Oregon team that, you know, got beat by Auburn. And then Auburn's number 11 right now. You can go back and forth with all, all this stuff. But to me, I mean, if you put Utah at number five and you assume that they take care of business against Oregon, which is a, it's a tough game, it's going to be a, a tough championship game for them. But if they take care of business, I have a hard time justifying not keeping Utah then, uh, you know, in the top four because obviously we assume LSU is going to beat Georgia. So yeah. then Utah will be the, the, in the playoff. I just have a hard time not keeping Utah in there. Yeah, I do too. And uh, I think. The eye test to me says if you look at Baylor and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and if you look at Utah, just like the last month, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like it's almost like the NCAA tournament. Who's playing well going in, especially sure. when you have one loss to, for all these teams? Well, Utah's looked really good. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma's looked sketchy at times. And you could argue they could have lost two of those games, Baylor and I think it Baylor was. Baylor should have beat them. It was another one, uh, Iowa State or something like that. that oh, they, yeah. They no, lost there, there was like the, that uh, one-point game. The, the, the call. I think it was Iowa State. I yeah, think it might have been Iowa call. State. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And, and Baylor, now Baylor could probably, you could get me going with a Baylor and Utah argument. Yeah. Because both, if you look at the resumes, you know, again, it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if it comes down to this, now, for the committee's sake, if Georgia wins, it's the easiest call. Sure. But if Utah and Baylor win, Utah or Oklahoma win, either scenario, and Georgia loses, that well, becomes pretty tricky. And let me ask you this. How much does the final score affect these these final seedings? Like, let's say the Oklahoma-Baylor game is a close game. Let's say Utah blows the doors off of Oregon. I mean, how much does that, does that affect I, the seedings? I think, I think you have to start with who's number five. They have to do something Utah. pretty drastic yeah. to lose a place. Because they're there. I mean, they've earned that spot. And in Oregon now, I think they're dropped down in the teens, but it's not like they're out of the top Oregon's 13. Yeah, so it's not like if you beat them, you, so you deserve to drop back. Yeah. So they've opened up the can of work, but the change of, of Baylor to jump them up and now to Alabama to drop down has set this narrative in, in motion. Mm-hmm. It's just so subjective. Oh, one well, well, so more thing real quick. Appalachian State, number 21, one loss. Do, do they make a New Year's uh, Day Bowl? Well, no, because I think the top, uh, that outside of the Power Five, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. it's got like Memphis and Cincinnati, yeah. Mem- not Cincinnati, but I think Memphis yeah. has a, a good beat gotcha. on uh, on that. Uh, we'll get to the lines uh, when we come back. We'll finish with a little Jags talk as well. You have a stay in your lane? Uh, yeah, we could probably have go we there. we ended that segment? Uh, well, what is it again? Maybe we'll bring I think it back. I remember it. Yeah, uh, next well. on ESPN 690.
great guy. Uh, you know, a man of faith. You know, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a trash talker, but he doesn't curse or he doesn't. You know, it's not like it's never like trash talking. I mean, he's just competitive. You can see the fire in him, but he's like, you know, kind of does it with like a very nice kind of flair to him. And so he, he's definitely unique in a, in, a, in a way. He's a guy that likes to talk a lot of trash and is always willing to back it up. So I mean, I don't want to hear him talk all day. So we're gonna have to do our do defensively and do our job. Very wholesome, godly talk. <laughs> Yeah, very impressed. I don't think I go that long without cussing. That's what I'm saying. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was Avery Jones at the tail end, Calais Campbell before that, talking about Phillip Rivers, and they find a way. I, I think those guys are fun to play against, though, right? It's interesting. It throws you for a loop. I'm telling you, like the, the guy is a loose cannon, but he doesn't cuss. Like he, you'll say, like, dang, nab it, and you know, like all that. It's just like, yeah. hey, man, go. No, ahead. He looks like he's about to rage half oh, the time I know. out there. Yeah. I don't. It's, it's it's a weird scene. I like it though. I like no, that. I that's love a, it. That's like he feels like the the backyard trash talker. The the go down to the basketball courts yeah. like and trash talk that but, way guy. But, but he's not though, man. He's not gonna say anything like that's gonna like derogatory or anything that's gonna like you know. What do you just say? Yeah. Well, he but feels like, like the trash talking guy that you can walk away with and go have yeah. lunch with after. Exactly. The nice you know what I mean? Exactly. He, he's like the old dude at the YMCA. He's like the, <laughs> the old timer. It's like you know what. Uh, you may be me, but I respect you for doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of enjoy some yeah. of the ribbing, but you know, it, and you can give it back to him, and hopefully yeah. you can take it. But I just and listen, I played against Phil Rivers like I think three times, and like every single time you think like something's gonna slip up eventually. Like for instance, don't want to call him out, Bramble, you got a problem with Sean Payton? Drew Brees, man, Drew Brees let an f bomb go like it's going out of style. Really? You know, especially when you sack him. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he told me to get off him and something. You know, <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm not gonna lie. Like he said that, I was like. Dude, you're Drew Brees. I grew up watching you. What is this? <laughs> like, I see, I've seen, I've seen interviews with you, dude. You're supposed to be the wholesome guy. You, you, you just called me an MFR, excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. So Drew Brees calling you out, dude. Yeah. Sorry, but you see, did. Take the take the Drew Brees fat head off the wall. <laughs> that is, yeah. That's a great dynamic. I yeah, love that, man. man. That's awesome that yeah. you're like you have these, you know, you have these, these uh, pre- pre- preconceived notions. Pre- no, yeah, of of these guys and how oh, they might yeah. be, and then they flip on. I you. thought Drew Brees for sure was gonna like shake my hand. Hey, good job. We'll get, we'll get him next time. But no, I would. How could you not play that game and be like that though? Dude, well, same thing. Andrew Luck was the same. Dude, Andrew Luck never said anything. Well, he did call me the the MF for one time yeah, after yeah. the game, but Andrew Luck was kind of the same way. He didn't swear. That's wild. I yeah. hope Freddie's not going to swear. We'll see. He's on the line. We got the dump buddy button ready, Freddie. <laughs> What's up, man? Hello. Hello. How you doing, man? How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Doing good. What's up? What you got? Little Jags, little Minshew. What's What's up? Yeah, uh, I want to know why. I got two questions, sir. Okay. Why did it take so long for them to start guarding the Minshew back? And do you think Nick Foles is getting traded? All right. I uh, right. appreciate it. We'll answer it. Thanks for uh, listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Um, well, did it take that long? Two and a half games? That was it? No. It, I mean, it, it you wasn't... could argue that it should never have happened. Yeah. And so I think that's what Freddie's trying to say. Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, holy cow, I think most people would say it was pretty, if anything, it seems like it was quick. No, it, it was quick. I agree with you, Brent. And let, let's keep in mind how this all transpired. I mean, Nick Foles was paid all this money to come here and kind of be the savior of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? He's he's the guy the team wanted. He was the guy. John D. Filippo wanted him here. So from that perspective... When things didn't go their way, I think, yeah, I think it was a little too soon. I don't think it was too long. I mean, Foles was supposed to be the guy. Now, Minshew comes up, six-round quarterback, and it was a nice surprise to everybody. But I think they thought Foles gave them a better chance of winning. Uh, And the second part of that, we've talked about this. Would they trade him? 
Oh, of course. I, I mean, to get rid of that contract at this stage, yeah. probably uh, they probably would. Yeah. But th- that might be tougher task. I mean, uh, there, to there has to be a market I, for I it. I still and... believe that it might not be that difficult. I also will wonder again if I'm telling you if Tom Coughlin's here, I feel like he's not even going to look to trade him. I think they're going to keep both guys on the roster. Yeah. Who knows about whatever regime could be in here? I don't know how yeah. they feel about it. Yeah. But I, I can just tell you this. I thought about this a little bit more today. The mindset inside an organization, at least that I can gather, and this is the one here, so, you know, you can, you can throw barbs if you want and say, well, that's not how they think everywhere else. I, I, I get it. I don't think the mindset around organizations are, we believe in this guy. Oh, wait a minute. After three and a half games, we don't believe in this guy. Three and a half games, whether you're playing kicker, defensive end, linebacker, corner, receiver, offensive line, quarterback, they while the fans can be done with them, mm-hmm. usually the organization, the people making the decisions, are not ready to move on that quickly. Mm-hmm. Is my point that yeah. that's abnormal. Yeah, for sure. So I'm talking from the top down. I don't think Shad Khan right now is saying how do we get rid of this guy. How do we do it? Like we have to make this happen in the off season. Yeah, I don't feel like he's saying that. The fans are all saying, mm-hmm. how do we get out of this money? We Minshew's our guy. I guess that's my whole point with riding with two quarterbacks is probably still the most likely option in 2020 in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I just I, I disagree with you, man. Like I said, I think we you, you can't take for granted the team dynamic if you do roll with those two quarterbacks, and especially the situation where more than likely the younger quarterback would be starting over the season vet who's making all the money. It's just it's just a recipe for disaster, I feel like, especially for a new coaching staff coming in. You think Nick Foles? Would MF you? Right now? Uh, no, not if it's right good, now. If it's good for the culture. Well, if it's go, no, then definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. You think so? But um, if it's good for the culture, then maybe. Yeah. yeah Remember, I, they're you, all in this together. We're all in this together, Brent. M- MFers alike, man. <laughs> I don't say MF in high school musical. No, they don't. Yeah. Hey, hope you have a good day, everybody. Uh, check, check out the Take Your Pick podcast coming up on Action News Chat's Facebook. We'll give you all the winners for championship weekend in college football, all the games in the NFL, coming up at 7.15 on Facebook, Action News Jacks. We'll be back with you tomorrow from the best bet in a charity event. Oh, yeah, event. that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.